3: This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience.
4: Squarespace AI makes
0: it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also...
4: Hey everyone, before we start this week's episode, we have to tell you that we are doing four live podcasts in Melbourne. We are back in front of live audiences for the first time in a long time and we'd love you to come along. I'm talking March 28, April 4, April 11, and April 18 for Sunday nights at 8:30 p.m. at the European Beer Cafe. Going to be a great time. And you know what? Before that show or in the many nights before that, why not see Matt's stand-up show at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival? What a
0: great idea. <laughs> Do I need to say any details yeah, about Yeah, I'd love you to Probably, say the yeah. title and things. It is called Nostalgia Was Better When I Was a Boy or something like that. And it's on at the Victoria Hotel at 7.50-ish o'clock. And it's on every day but Mondays. And on Sundays, it's on an hour earlier. And you can come to my show on that Sunday and then... Walk with me over to the podcast. Let's do it together.
4: You, will you be doing a live walking tour?
0: Sure. Well, I mean, I will be walking between the places live. Wow. What a God. And, and,
3: and, and hang on. People don't have to pay extra for that.
0: No. No. Wow. No, I be, won't be. will be taking any toll walks. Wow. Toll, toll roads, I'm going to say. Toll well, walks, you,
4: <laughs> you can get tickets to all three shows, including the walking tour, uh, via the show notes Uh Check out those links.
0: This podcast is part of the Planet
3: Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates.
4: Hello and welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicke and as always I'm here with Jess Perkins and Matt Stewart. Hello. Hi, I'm Matt. (laughs) <laughs> Fantastic, before we hear more <laughs> of that witty banter Let's uh, explain to the show for new listeners Basically we take it in turns to report on a topic often suggested by the people that listen to the show One of us goes away, does the research, brings it back And the other two have no idea what they're going to talk about And uh, it is Matt's turn to do that And to get us on to topic, we always start with a question Matt, what's your question?
0: My question is as follows
4: What's your question? What's your question?
0: What was the overarching topic for the last three weeks? Mm. Ooh, history. Mm. Yes. Oh, history. Yes. It was slightly narrower than
3: World that. History. World history. Uh,
0: yes. the, the 20th century. Uh, yeah, even more na- What 20th century events. Did you not notice that there was a, a running theme? Europe in the 20th century. Uh, yes. Conflict
3: I mean, in the 20th century in Europe.
0: Just we just tighten conflict. that up? A specific conflict? Hmm. Uh, it was about like some a war? Yes.
3: That involved most of the world.
0: Do you know someone's keeping score with this? So there's a free point up for World War I. <laughs> correct. Fuck you, Dave. Fuck you, Dave. World, world
4: War I is Look. correct. I was on the tip of my tongue. If you'd let me get it out, I could have got there. <laughs>
3: <laughs> now, nah, Matt reminded me of the points, and uh, I had... My annual competitiveness. Yeah, that's right. Happens
4: once a year, and that was it. So, Matt, are you telling us that this week's episode is World War One?
0: Yes. (laughs) uh, I was trying to nudge you towards this a few weeks ago, and I told you that I'm not a (laughs) madman. Yeah, you said that would be ridiculous. Um, Well, I did. uh, I I did take that on board, but I thought, hey, don't make someone do what you won't do yourself, right? Uh, I thought it was a nice way to finish off our month of World War One reports by doing a, a report on World War One. Oh, okay, fantastic. So let's just
4: maybe recap where we are because you kicked it off a few weeks ago, Matt, with the why World War One started with the assassination of yes, Archduke Franz which, Ferdinand. I'll
0: give a, a, a very brief recap on that. And then the week after that, Dave, you talked us through the, the red, red Baron, the most successful pilot of the war. The Ace of Aces. What a name. Very cool. I'm gonna get that tattooed. Cause it's so cool. Okay. I don't know that's if you a, could pull a mistake, that off.
3: But all right. <laughs> how many? Really?
0: How many people have you killed in the air? Yeah. Because well, otherwise, I don't think you can do that. Really? You're not allowed to have that unless you have killed in the air. Well, give me. I know you've killed on the ground. Minute. You've killed at sea. You've we killed know, under yeah. sea. We know. Under under dust sea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for but sure. You got to kill in the air at yeah. least five times.
4: Yeah. Okay. Well, I've four away. <laughs> uh, and then just last week. Reported on the, probably the craziest man we've come across in a long time. Such a strange lie. Fritz
3: Duquesne. A, uh, a sp- uh, uh, well, he was a soldier turned English spy, turned German spy, turned US spy? Not really German again. And then a fake soldier.
0: And then also he imported hippos or something. Yes, yes. Yeah. He, he, got, he got through he, all the industries.
3: He really packed a lot into a life.
0: Uh, yeah, so if you haven't heard any of those, go back. Enjoy yourselves. Um and especially probably the one of those three that would make more the most sense before getting into this one would be the assassination of Archduke Ferdin Ferdinand. Yeah, always uh, shouting out to his own topics is Matt.
4: Yeah. Don't bother listening to the Jess
0: and Dave reports. They were shit. I mean they were more side dishes. It's like, okay. oh if you want if you want a little side salad or a bowl of chips on mm-hmm. the side of the mm-hmm. main meal, mm-hmm. which is my reports. Yes. Yeah, well, <laughs> A steak of, of you know, of, of filet mignon, if you will. Yes, well,
3: a
4: filet mignon.
0: What have I told yes. you that sometimes I just don't, I just go straight for dessert or I'll order three
4: sets of croquettes. Okay, so well, I, mean, I that's, love croquettes. Oh, I they? actually
3: love to just order a
4: bunch of sides. Yeah, exactly. So fuck have you a with nibble. your main meal. Yeah, fuck okay. you with your main meal. Have a bit meal. of this,
3: a bit of that. Yeah, yeah. shares. Nachos
0: for the table.
3: Yum, yum. I yes. love a
0: cob loaf. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> cob loaf.
0: Herb and butter. Cobb <laughs> Is that an
4: option? And
0: I love a cob corn.
4: Oh, yeah.
0: Love for a the cob. table.
4: Yes. One cob of corn for the table, please, sir. And I love a cob. Close yeah. of business. <laughs>
0: <laughs> a knockoff meal. <laughs> and so I call it dinner.
3: I call it a cob meal.
0: <laughs> so the Franz Ferdinand episode, that was a few weeks back, episode 276. Um, feel free to go back to that. If you don't want to, I'll give you a brief recap now. So we, tensions were brewing in Europe for many years before World War One broke out. Hey, by the way, I've got a, a thought. This report is the longest I've ever done. I'm thinking about splitting it up for over two weeks. Are you oh, cool with that?
3: Never split the party. Oh. Right. So Actually, that does not apply. This is a report. So yeah, no, that's
4: fine. You're telling me this is World War One, Part One.
0: Yeah, that's right.
4: Next week is World War two. One, Part Two. <laughs> no,
0: World War One, Part Two. Right. Will you also cover World War Two next week? No. Okay,
3: will you ever do it now that you've done World War one?
0: I, I think because I, I, I didn't under- I didn't know enough about World War one. so I really enjoyed learning um, as shallow as my uh, research in this report is compared mm. to the hectic thing it was. It was quite a big event. For the time. So you're
4: saying that <laughs> the people in the trenches were working harder than you did on this report, is so that what you're saying? The- no, not necessarily.
3: Hey, Dave, no spoilers, thanks. <laughs> not what are trenches? <laughs> What's a trench? <laughs> What's a trench? What are you talking about?
0: But, um, yeah, I mean, because it, it, it was quite a big thing that went for, you know, a few years. I haven't looked into how many years is yet. I'll mm-hmm. get into that on next week's week. Right.
4: right, yeah, okay. I mean, by the time we finish this, we won't know if the war will ever finish. Yeah, that's right. Is wow. it still going? Is that why you can't in finish it? In some ways, yeah.
0: Hey, it's still echoing through the ages. TPC. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so let me begin. Uh, so this is the brief recap. Tensions were brewing in Europe for many years before World War One broke out. The peace that existed in Europe via a system of alliances between the different European powers crumbled when the Archduke, Franz Ferdinand, and his wife were assassinated in Sarajevo on June the 28th, 1914. According to History.com, a website that I love, but also a website that is frankly obsessed with the past. Anyway. <laughs> you, are you telling I, me that History.com has stopped making predictions? Yeah. It really uh, Anyway, I don't, I, I don't want, I'm not having a go. Yeah. It just feels. But it's a bit like, you know, live in bit, the moment. Yeah. Bo- history.com slash horoscopes.
3: Yeah. Hey, That's History.com, try and live in the moment a little bit. Live in the now. Look ahead.
0: Anyway, this is from History.com, a website that I love. Uh, the assassination of Franz Ferdinand set off a rapidly escalating chain of events. Austria-Hungary, like many countries around the world, blamed the Serbian government for the attack and hoped to use the incident as justification for settling the question of Serbian nationalism once and for all. There was a the Serbian nationalism was, was brewing. They wanted their own country. They wanted their own uh, they wanted to grow uh, the country in a sort of a Serbian nation. Uh, I mean, Serbia was that, but they wanted to take in some of their bordering countries as well, uh, like Bosnia and Herzegovina. Wow. Uh, Well said. Thank you so much. (laughs) There were five main European powers at this point. Austria-Hungary was one, along with their ally Germany. Then there was Russia, France and Britain, who made up the other side, the Triple Entente it's a great word. Oh, a great yeah,
3: word. that took me back to like year eight history class.
0: Uh, well, I'm really actually aiming for more of a year nine level here, but
3: yeah, I'm just saying. Really, I was pretty advanced. That's yeah. why I'm so good at geography. Yeah, you excel
4: history and from year eight to year nine a
3: lot of top yeah. <laughs> and then it was a lot of downhill from yeah, there. Yeah,
4: but
0: honestly, year nine. She peaked. <laughs> <laughs> Some of these alliances were made more sense than others. Some were a bit ideological. You'd say that. Austria, uh, Hungary and Germany were kind of pretty tightly related. But, I mean, in in my research anyway, someone out there is going, what the fuck (laughs) are you talking about? (laughs) Couldn't be any more different. (laughs) But on the other hand, uh, Britain, for instance, um, they were being a bit more pragmatic. This is according to the UK's National Archives. British policy in Europe intended that no country in Europe should become completely dominant. If Russia, France, uh, Germany and Austria-Hungary worried about each other, then they would be less of a threat to Britain. By about 1907, it was becoming clear to Britain that the greatest potential threat to Britain was going to be Germany. The strong economy, large population and powerful armed forces of Germany seemed to be capable of dominating Europe. As a result, Britain began to support Russia and France and Britain joined the Triple Entente.
4: Wow, so they're sort of playing them up against each other a bit.
0: Yeah, they were sort of sitting back, which they have a bit more of an ability to do because they're an island off the side. But uh, in the end, they're like, Germany really is is growing and uh, their leader, Wilhelm II, was, did seem to be really wanting to make a mark on the continent. So, um, yeah, they really sided with France because of a fear of Germany rather than any strong bond to France. Oh, okay. But they were like, guys, we love you. Yeah. Oh, You're Frosé. great. Oh, brie cheese. Oh, we love it.
4: Yeah. Yum, yum. Wow. And Russia, my God, we love everything about you. Yes. I mean. Look all, at your hat. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that, all that nice? That literature or Whoa. something.
0: Whoa. <laughs> I mean, with Russia, they, the the king and the czar were first Cousins. Car-
3: What's up? Haven't seen you since grandma's birthday. <laughs> yeah. Uh
0: but France that Britain and France have been long time arch rivals, fought many wars against each mm. other. Hey, that's in the
4: past hey. now. That's
0: right. <laughs> we should be doing English accents. No <laughs> Keep it broad, it's less racist somehow. Yeah. Uh and and uh the king of England, George V was also first cousins to Germany's Wilhelm II. Cass. So Stop it. So Wilhelm Don't. And there was a real interesting relationship between these two countries. It was like uh, Europe was a, a big, you know, extended family because in a lot of ways because of Queen Victoria and her apparently she did a lot of matchmaking yeah, right. around Europe like getting her offspring to be sitting on thrones all around Europe. Uh, which I talked about a little bit in the um, Franz Ferdinand episode. Uh, but, yeah, that meant that the king of Russia, king of Germany, and the king of England, even though they are called czars and emperors. Kaiser. Kaiser. Thank you. That's The Kaiser. So much better than such, king Such
3: Kaiser. a good word. I love it.
0: Um, and, yeah, even at this point, the British royal family still had the German surname of von Thaschenkoburg Gotha.
3: Oof, that's good.
0: Ah, uh, they only changed it to the more British-sounding Windsor due to anti-German feelings a few years into the World War in nineteen seventeen. So they, you know, they, it was they were basically, you know, buds, yeah. sort of
3: a family, literally.
0: But there was a rivalry, and well, uh, the like Kaiser, the Kaiser was sort of kicking off. He did this interview in England on a trip there, and and um, said some pretty wild things. Uh, you know, kind of antagonistic, not the best diplomat. And (laughs) apparently Germany's like, hey, well, maybe we'll... Not let you talk uh, <laughs> right in that way he's anymore. He's like on Graham Norton's couch. Saying,
4: yeah, whoa, 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 whoa! Yeah, yeah. Let's shut him off. And yeah. Graham
3: Norton's and just like, oh, why didn't we put him in that chair? That <laughs> we <could tip laughs>
4: the <over?"> red chair. <laughs> yeah, t- tell us an interesting story, and Graham. Uh, so they say hello,
0: and he looks at the. He's guessing. Goes, oh, here we go. What?
4: <laughs> oh no! Shall we hear him out? Should we? Hear him out?
0: <laughs> I, th- I think he would have loved because he's he's making he knows he's making the news. <laughs> yeah, tomorrow. people are loving it. Yeah, it was. It just was like he was speaking yeah, super like, freely. Ask
4: Tom Cruise to stop telling another story about a stunt that went wrong and be like, so just stop you there, Tom. He should have can been a stunt man, there. not an
0: actor. And uh, Kaiser, can we hear more about your crazy yeah. outbursts? Uh, and then that same year, members of the British royal family had to give up their German titles in 1917. And any of their relatives who were fighting for Germany were stripped of their British ones. So they were super tight until about halfway through the World wow. War. When they're like, ooh. This war is making English people not quite like the Germans <laughs> anymore. It, this war is a little bit more serious than we first it expected.
3: Reminds me a bit of when we were little and my cousin Siobhan. If she, if I was doing something she, or if I wasn't doing what she wanted me to do, she would say, "I won't be your cousin anymore." And being eighteen months older than her, I was much smarter, and I was like, "That's not how it works." You and- know, it was that classic threat of, "I won't be your friend anymore." Um, as if it was ever going to... But she she went as far to say, I won't be your cousin anymore. I was like, I don't think that's how it works.
0: No. And then she pulled out the paperwork and said, oh, I just have to sign <laughs> here. Yeah. I've already got the stamp on the envelope. And
3: yeah, so, sorry, I should have said my former cousin when, when I started that story. <laughs> I'm
0: standing here with a Supreme Court judge yeah. <laughs> who's ready to ratify. She was four
3: years old. I know. Really impressive. Advanced. Yeah. Very impressive. <laughs> don't know where she is now. Have not spoken to her in 20
4: years. Surely she's on the Supreme Court.
3: I would assume so, yes. Yeah. But once again have not spoken to her. Not allowed to, legally. Wow. Yeah, you can't talk to people who aren't your cousins.
0: Is that true? Yes. Anyway, good to be cousins with you too. (laughs) So uh, Austria-Hungary, they knew that when they took on Serbia, Russia would have Serbia's back. And as Russia's army at the time significantly outsized Austria-Hungary's, Austria-Hungary sought the assurance from the Kaiser, Wilhelm II, that Germany would support them if required. Like, you know, they, they were already close, but they wanted the, a guarantee. A bit yeah. of money on the table. Yeah. If, they, if they went over to Serbia, Russia kicks in, they're like, we need you to kick in for us, please, Germany. Will you do that, Kaiser? And, um, yeah, Austria-Hungary was also concerned that Russia's ally France and possibly Britain would also get involved. So they really needed Germany's help uh, to even entertain the idea of... of invading Serbia or trying to start trouble with Syria.
3: How do you have those conversations? Is it a phone call? Is it a meeting? Do you like wine and dine them and they'd be like, hey, by the way, could you back us in a war, please? Yeah. Is it an email? How do you do it?
0: It'd be so much easier now with a Zoom call. Text? Text, yeah.
3: Hey, Jacinda, how are you doing? <laughs> BTW... In a war with US, you win.
0: <laughs> Oh no. You picked the wrong. You picked the wrong. Do they have an army anymore?
4: <laughs> Very small. Oh no. I'd have sent it to Joe Biden. <laughs>
3: oh god. Oh, I've oh, lost no. the element of surprise. Oh no. <laughs> uh, uh Lol, jokes, Joe. Lol, JK, mocking JK. Walking around. around. Got you. Pranked. New phone, who diss? <laughs> Before Joe, oh,
4: thank God, it's 4 a.m. there. I'm sure he's
0: asleep. And he's replying. Unsent,
3: unsent.
0: He replies with, oh, guys, I wish you told me sooner. I'm sitting on the nuke button. Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> nice knowing you. <laughs> on the 5th of July, a week after the assassination of uh, Franz Ferdinand, yeah. Kaiser Wilhelm II secretly gave Austria Hungary his pledge that in case of war, germany would get involved which has been referred to as giving austria-hungary carte blanche or a blank check assurance Uh, this is according to cfr.org with the kaiser's so-called blank check in hand austrian officials began drafting an ultimatum to serbia the rationale for the ultimatum was simple attacking serbia without warning would make serbia look like a victim in contrast an ultimatum would put the burden of avoiding war on Belgrade, the Serbian capital. The cover letter to the ultimatum gave Belgrade precisely 48 hours to reply. Not a lot of time.
4: And just to show we're serious,
0: you have 24 hours.
3: Get your fastest pigeon <laughs> on the job. 48 hours. It's from pigeon, yeah?
0: From when they've s- sent it as well. Yeah. It gets right. lost in the post. Oh my
4: God, we only... that's f- in 15 minutes. <laughs> 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 uh,
0: Trying to like send a smoke <laughs> signal or something. <laughs> the ultimatum listed 10 demands. The most significant were that Serbia accept, quote, representatives of the Austro Hungarian government for the suppression of subversive movements, which was point five, and also that Serbia bring to trial all accessories to the Archduke's assassination and allow Austro Hungarian delegates or law enforcement officers to take part in the investigation. That was point six. So these ones, reading them now, I'm like, yeah, I guess they're pretty full-on, but the the way uh, other foreign officials reacted to it were like was well, this is how they reacted. Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Sazanov declared that no state could accept such demands without committing suicide. Uh, British Foreign Secretary Sir Edward Gray declared that he had quote, "never before seen one state address to another independent state, a document of so formidable a character. Oh wow. And Winston Churchill, then Britain's first lord of the admiralty, called it, quote, the most insolent document of its kind ever devised. Whoa. And, I, like, it is pretty full on. They're going, hey, we're interfering with your state's business. We want to be um, involved in your state's own investigation. So it is pretty full on. But I don't know. Some For some reason, I'm like, I was expecting it because I, I tracked it down after reading all these reactions. I'm like, what does it say? Like, they have dear a, asshole yeah you must fuck a pig <laughs> yeah, that's right. and we want it on film yeah i was like i th- yeah anyway same time after what my, where my head went <laughs> you
4: must fuck a pig and then you must fuck a cow <laughs>
0: 10 different animals <laughs>
4: to fuck do it by closer of business ten.
0: and each animal's larger than the last <laughs> yeah, that's right finally fuck a blue whale <laughs> <laughs> They get to point nine, and they're like, "Oh, African elephant can't get, oh, bigger, he than can't that. get bigger than this." <laughs> oh no, he's going to sea oh, no. sea mammals. Oh no, the
4: Great Barrier Reef.
0: <laughs> uh, Cfr org uh, contradicts these comments that were talking about it as the the most full on uh, document of its kind, saying Austria's ultimatum was far more diplomatic than the one president. Theodore Roosevelt gave Morocco ten years before Franz Ferdinand's assassination. After the brigand Ahmed ibn Mohammed Razuli kidnapped Ion or Ion a Greek American citizen, Roosevelt's dem- demand was blunt: "Perdicaris alive or Razuli dead." Wow, that is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So that happened 10 years before. So, you know, you talk about the most insolent document <laughs> yeah. of its kind ever devised. Yes. He's alive or you're dead, mate. Yeah. Not. <laughs> We're going to have to sit in on this investigation, okay?
4: Yeah. Because that doesn't sound like a president. That's just like a threat from Mark Chopper Reed or
0: something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's got like a, their ear cut onto it or something. <laughs> Roosevelt fucked it up and cut off his own ear. <laughs> well, let's see, he gave it the Chopper Reed stuff. <laughs> Uh, the article continues. This is uh, still from the CFR.org article saying, whether the ultimatum was insulin or not, Vienna got the answer it wanted. Serbia refused to meet all 10 demands. And on July 28th, Austria declared war on Serbia. I'm not saying they should have accepted the demands either. I'm just saying they weren't as full on as I... Yeah, yeah. You, you're just imagining it. Because like, I'd, I'd read about those in the Austria uh, when I was reading about Franz Ferdinand and stuff weeks ago. So in my head, they just grew and grew and yeah. Into being, Pretty full on. Um, so from here, Austria-Hungary believed they would claim a quick victory over Serbia.
4: And is Serbia at this age, they don't know that Germany
0: is backed No, Austria-Hungary. They probably, they'd have an inkling. I think that, you know, it would be fair for them to assume that might okay. be the case. But they, it's not official. It was a secret deal, apparently. Um, uh, so they, Austria-Hungary very naively thought it was going to be a quick victory over Serbia. They basically thought they'd go in and, and crush Serbia, hmm. before the other powers were able to mobilize their forces and get involved. Of course, they were dead wrong. Hmm. On August the 1st, Germany declared war on Russia. That was them jumping in for uh, Austria Hungary. Then on August 3rd, Germany declared war on France.
3: How do you declare war on someone? Write a letter hmm. Dear France, <laughs> we I are very mad at you. A war. You have been very naughty. <laughs>
0: We're coming at you.
3: Let's war. Four o'clock Friday. Tick yes. (laughs) Tick
0: no. What are you doing for the next four years? (laughs) Clear schedule. Uh, Do you have any meal requirements? Yeah, any
3: (laughs) dietary requirements? Any uh, planned leave in the next few years? Uh, If
0: you're looking for accommodation, here are some suggestions. And here is our gift registry. (laughs) Uh, Germany had been preparing for a European war for years. As a newly formed nation, flanked by traditional powers and rivals, France and Russia, Germany felt isolated and also, like that, a point to prove. According to the UK's National Archives, when Kaiser Wilhelm II took control of Germany, he was anxious for Germany to be a great power. He felt that Russia to the east and France to the west were encircling Germany. And as a result, he <laughs> built up his armed forces. So, he, then he, so he's building up his armed forces and the, the countries around him notice that. When France and Russia feared Germany, uh, and they did the same, they built up their armed forces.
4: I love him. Wonder seeing a map for the first time, being like, "Oh my god, they're closing in on us!" (laughs) So they've been like that for a long time. They've been there
0: a long, long time.
4: Now look at them. There's one there. There's one there. That's crazy. Uh,
0: During the 1900s, all of the great powers in Europe began to build up their armies and navies. Um, I've written here they all had FOMO, fear of military occupation, but I won't. I do feel some... I enjoy that. Not sure if I'll uh, leave that in, but this, we're recording this just before God's sake It's going out. Oh, Jess is looking at me with disgust. Um, <laughs> preparing for a potential war with their neighbours to the east and west, Germany drew up a plan in 1905. So this is nearly a decade before the war broke out. And this is known, or was known, and remains known, <laughs> as the Schlieffen Plan. Uh, for its architect, Alfred von Schlieffen.
3: Okay, that's a great name. It's a great name. Is he a good bad person, bad person? Well,
0: I guess it'll. I think he was just Schlieffen. A, it was a, a German army guy mm. who had a plan. Uh huh. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't think he was. I don't know much about him, but okay. I, I don't think he's inher- inherently good. I just don't
3: want to be like, wow, that's a good name. And it turns out, you know, nah. like, if you've was... never heard of Hitler and you're like, Hitler, I like that. That's a good name, you know?
1: Yeah. I, then you'd
3: yeah. be like, oh boy. Once, oh you, once you find out, you're like, oh, no, I've said something very silly indeed.
0: <laughs> According to Britannica, Schlieffen was an ardent student of military history and his strategic plan was inspired by the Battle of Cannae uh, in 216 BCE. So we went a ways back. Hmm. It was a pivotal engagement during the Second Punic War. At Cannae, the Carthag- Carthaginian general Hannibal defeated a much larger Roman force, with a successful double envelopment, uh, turning the Roman army's flanks and destroying it. Schlieffen was convinced that a modern enemy force could be defeated in the same way, and the execution of a massive flank attack became the main focus of his plan. He proposed in 1905 that Germany's advantage over France and Russia, its likely opponents in a continental war, so he's calling this 10 years before it happened, uh, was that the two were separated. Germany therefore could eliminate one while the other was kept in check uh, once one ally was defeated Germany would be able to combine its forces to defeat the other through massive troop concentration and rapid deployment
4: just don't understand that being like hey how about we fight two wars at the same side at the same time one over this side one over this side
0: it's a major uh, advantage to us yeah what well,
4: that I mean they did it again in World War II what
0: well, I mean, uh, the Britannica article also mentions this. Uh, the plan was heavily modified by Schlieffen's successor, Helmuth von Mulkey, um, prior to and during its imp- implementation in World War I. So Schlieffen wasn't around to uh, put it into practice, and it got watered down a bit. <laughs> the basic idea was still intact, but who knows? Maybe if the initial Schlieffen plan was used, maybe it would have worked. But, yeah, it is a wild idea. But it sort of makes sense. It's it's one of those, it's so crazy, it could just work. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The plan was for Germany to quickly defeat France, then turning the full might of their army towards Russia. France being to Germany's west, that made the war between those two nations, the Western Front, with the the fight with Russia, the Eastern Front. Probably embarrassing to uh, mention, I, I never really what what exactly the Western and Eastern Fronts were. But right. w- reading that, I was like, oh, that's makes a lot of sense. Yep. Uh, so that's why I'm. some people, is, I assume people who know a lot about this stuff won't be listening to this. So I figure it's worth, if I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know. So I figure worth saying. Uh, Germany chose its route to France's capital, Paris or Paris. Thank you. Thank you.
3: Paris, how? <laughs>
4: hey. Hey. What what am I doing with these 250,000 troops behind me? Nothing. Don't worry about Bit it. Bit of tourism. You
0: look good. Soldiers love the Oval Town. They love it. <laughs> uh, so they chose the route uh, the route to Paris via Belgium. Belgium was a neutral country. Okay. Not involved in the war at this point. And according to oh, history.com. At this
3: point.
0: Well, I mean they had said we are neutral. We don't we don't want any trouble. They hadn't picked a side.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, according to History.com, on August the 4th, 1914, German troops crossed the border into Belgium in the first battle of World War One, The Germans assaulted the heavily fortified city of Liege uh, using the most powerful weapons in their arsenal, enormous siege cannons. Uh, and they captured the city by August 15th, so a week and a bit later. Uh, the Germans left death and destruction in their wake as they advanced through Belgium towards France, shooting civilians and executing a Belgian priest, they had accused of inciting civilian resistance. Uh,
3: but Belgium had said, "No, thank you."
0: Yeah, we don't want we don't want any trouble yeah. for me either. So we're not getting involved. Huh. Um, invading neutral Belgium is seen as a ta- tactical error by Germany, as it brought Britain into the war, according to the UK's National Archives. Again, despite being part of the Triple Entente. Britain was not committed to going to war in 1914. The Foreign Secretary, Sir Edward Grey, spent much of the summer of 1914 furiously trying to reassure Russia and Germany and prevent a war happening. Even when German troops invaded France and Belgium as part of the Schlieffen Plan, Britain did not have to go to war. It sounds like Britain was really just like, a, hey, things are pretty good. We've got a we've got a pretty good thing going on here, don't we? We're a, there's a bunch of powers and we're sort of... We'd, we can muck this all up if we have, if we start mm. putting all our cash yeah. and citizens into a... Well, they, they won't think it's citizens at this point. Our armies into, into the war.
4: Hey, we sent flowers. Did you get those flowers? Yeah. They were you pretty good, chocolates.
0: right? Did you get the chocolates? Do you like chocolates? Kaiser? What do you like? Hello? I'll send it to you. <laughs> anyway, or is <he's, laughs> Britain sending chocolates to the Kaiser saying, love from France? Yeah,
4: <laughs> right. Hey, I think our France sent you a gift. Isn't that right?
0: Yeah. France mm. bought you this drink. <laughs> Hey, no, that yeah. big stud <laughs> over by the bar. <laughs> you send him a,
4: a big drink. <laughs>
0: big drink. <laughs> <laughs> nice big drink.
4: Get him
3: a big drink. Mm. Mm.
4: What a big studs drink. Big drinks.
3: <laughs>
0: uh, Honestly,
3: it it's too big to hold.
0: Well, especially for him famously had a, a small hand. Yeah, so get him a big <laughs> straw or two, please. Uh the uh, the, the article goes on. Germany hoped Britain would stay out of the war altogether. so they they kind of rolled the dice a little bit going through Belgium. Um, they, they were like, Britain, you don't need to get involved in this. this is no big thing. Uh, however, the Germans knew that Britain had promised to defend Belgium under the Treaty of London of 1839. The Germans wanted the British government to ignore the Treaty of London and let the German army pass through Belgium. That was ages ago, guys. That was- Apparently, the Kaiser was like, Well, you're going to start trouble over a little piece of paper? I mean, isn't that what all of these deals are? Yeah. Yep. It was funny that one to him is a little piece of paper. <laughs> uh, the British government made much of their duty to protect Belgium, though. Um, Belgium's ports were close to the British. And, and I'm reading this going, Oh, good on you, Britain. And then you realize, Oh, it was a tactical thing, still as well. Belgium's ports were close to the British coast, and German control of Belgium would have been seen as a serious threat to Britain. And in the end, Britain refused to ignore the events of the 4th of August, 1914, when Germany attacked France through Belgium. And within hours, Britain declared war on Germany. So, this is less than a week after Austria-Hungary declared war on Serbia, and now Russia, Belgium, France, Great Britain and Serbia were at war with Austria-Hungary and Germany. World War One had begun. On August the 15th, 1914... Japan, so at this point really, and I mean the whole war in a lot of ways is just a European war.
4: Well, I mean, come on, how how much of the world is it?
0: The way it kicked off. <laughs> the way it kicked off anyway and um, it was really... What is
3: this, the World Series? Yeah,
0: come on. It's a European fight in a lot of ways, but you know, countries from everywhere were drawn into it, especially with, I'll talk about it later, but the British Empire, mm. um, as soon as they entered countries from around the world... Brought in no, under it really the
3: really gets sucked in, eh?
0: The British Empire. Uh, might have been next week I talk about that. Oh. Uh, a bit of sizzle. Uh, but anyway, so there's already a bunch of countries in. Just a week after it began, begun, it's, it's on. On August the 15th, 1914, Japan then sent an ultimatum to Germany demanding the removal of all German ships from Japanese and Chinese waters. The ultimatum also demanded the surrender of control of the Tsingtao, Ronnie Chang did an ad about a beer with this name and the whole campaign was him teaching you how to say it properly
4: mm-hmm.
0: and it's not what I just said. Anyway, Is it
4: Qingdao? Is Qingdao
0: maybe, yeah. I'm also basing it on the ad and a memory of it, so I apologise if I'm saying it wrong. Um, so they wanted control of, of uh, Qingdao uh, where Germany had its largest overseas naval bases on China's Shangtung Peninsula. According to History.com, when Germany did not respond, Japan declared war on them on August 23rd. Its navy immediately began preparing an assault against uh, Qingdao, with Britain contributing two battalions to Japan's force of 60,000. The Japanese approached the naval base across China, breaching that country's neutrality. On November the 7th, the German garrison at Qingdao surrendered and Japanese troops were home by the end of the year. So they got that done pretty quick. Mm, That's a way to do it. Japan was involved in the war uh, for the duration, though. But, yeah, they were... It was an interesting time for Japan, it sounds like. Um, uh, Yeah, growing in their sort of world view. And after this war, you know, they they were on the other side coming into the Second World War. So things were changing there. Uh, But I won't go into that at all in the rest of this report. Back to the Western Front. Great. Were well, you just bringing that in just to make it a bit more worldly? You're like, great. We have got a bit of Asia See, happening. See, it's world. As well. It's Fantastic.
4: world
3: war.
0: Back to Europe. A l- uh, little bit. I mean, yeah. It's it's hard to <laughs> oh, <no>. it's <laughs> hard to do this thing. Really? <laughs> There's a yeah, lot going on. Yeah. Who would have thought? I know. Crazy. <laughs> no, you're doing a great job. I'm really invested. Uh, back to the Western Front. Having conquered Belgium, Germany continued on towards Paris with hopes of a quick victory over France. This is part of the, the Schlieffen plan. Mm-hmm. Quick victory over France, then send the the full might of their army as much as they can, although some of them had to go fight Japan, which helped um, the Entente. But <laughs> anyhow, uh, History.com... This is from this article I love. This is the article that made me think that doing this report was possible. It's just the History.com article about the whole war. Wow. And it misses a lot of stuff I had to get from elsewhere. But um, this is from that, and it really breaks down some of the key stuff on the Western Front. Quote, in the First Battle of the Marne, fought from September 6th to 9th, 1914, French and British forces confronted the invading Germany army which had by then penetrated deep into northeastern in France within 30 miles of Paris. And really, they were a great shot of taking, encircling Paris, which was the initial plan. Um, the Allied troops checked the German advance and mounted a successful counterattack, driving the Germans back to north of the Enna River. I had to look up how to pronounce that because it's written ASNI. <laughs> anyway, um, <so laughs> but I think I think I, I read elsewhere that they that, that was almost a technical blunder. They could have gone for Paris there, but they sort of got drawn. They looked like they were taking uh, the retreating French and British. They sort of followed them when maybe they shouldn't have. But, uh, you know, mistakes are going to be made. Jeez, the pressure on people making decisions in an army would be hectic. Yeah. One little false move and so many people's lives at risk. Mm. Uh, article goes on. The defeat meant that the uh, sorry. The defeat meant the end of German plans for a quick victory in France, and both sides dug into trenches. This is where trench warfare began, and the Western Front was the setting for a hellish war of attrition that would last more than three years. Particularly long and costly battles in this campaign were fought at Verdun, uh, from February to December nineteen sixteen, and the Battle of the Somme. From Je- July to November nineteen sixteen, which is that's a that's a very famous one.
4: Yeah, I think really bad for the British, right?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, a lot of people died on both side. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, German and French troops suffered close to a million casualties in the Battle of Verdun alone.
3: What the fuck? That's too many.
0: Mm. I'd do less. Ideal in an ideal
4: world. But. Jess, are you happy that it's been rounded up to a million? Yeah,
3: happy about the number <laughs> one million. Not happy about that being in relation to people dying, to be honest. If it was like one million dollars for Jess's bank account. <laughs> okay. Very, think very positively about So just about to confirm,
4: you'd prefer a million dollars for more than $991,000? Yeah, I wouldn't take that. Okay, but would you prefer a million dollars or a million $1,000? This is a question.
3: Look, I'd take it. <laughs> I reckon I would bravely take. Good on you. One million. Well and That's 1, progress. That is, yeah, that
0: is growth. Thank you. Right before our eyes. Yeah. So obviously, I I'm think, in my thirties now. <laughs> I think a lot, a lot of the, you know, the famous World War One stuff is on this Western Front in the trenches. I'm not really going to that too much. That's just a very brief overview. Um, and then. Uh, the same article flips over to the Eastern Front and gives it equally brief treatment. Russian forces invaded the German-held regions of East Prussia and Poland, but were stopped short by German and Austrian forces at the Battle of Tannenberg in late 1914, late August 1914. Despite that victory, Russia's assault had forced Germany to move two corps from the Western Front to the Eastern, contributing to the German loss at the Battle of the Marne, which we talked about before, which is a big, important battle, uh, combined with the fierce, combined with the fierce Allied resistance in France, the ability of Russia's huge war machine to mobilise relatively quickly in the East ensured a longer, more gruelling conflict instead of the quick victory Germany had hoped to win under the Schlieffen Plan. So now they're both fighting on both sides, going fuck yeah.
4: This is. Th- not what we wanted
0: and yeah full-on just slog just brutal I mean all, so many lives being lost on both sides having to keep replenish the numbers uh, yeah
3: yeah it's
0: nightmarish nuts um, one of the uh, traditional European powers that I didn't mention because they they'd sort of slipped from the the top of the pops uh, prior to this was the Ottoman Empire but they were still they were still kicking. They entered the war in October of 1914 on the side of Germany and Austria-Hungary. And on November the 5th, France and Britain both declared war on them. Uh, By this stage, they weren't a major power, but they did have a history of power. And again, this is a thing that I found interesting. I would heard the Ottoman Empire a lot, but I didn't really know much about it. So I'll just take this from a different History.com article. just gives a little bit of an idea about them. The Ottoman Empire was one of the mightiest and longest lasting dynasties in world history. This Islamic-run superpower ruled large areas of the Middle East, Eastern Europe, and North Africa for more than 600 years. The chief leader, known as the Sultan, was given absolute religious and political authority over his people. While Western Europeans generally viewed them as a threat, many historians regard the Ottoman Empire as a source of great regional stability and security, as well as important achievements in the arts, science, religion, and culture. Wow. At its height, the Ottoman Empire included the following regions, Turkey, Greece, Bulgaria, Egypt, Hungary, Macedonia, Romania, Jordan, Palestine, Lebanon, Syria, among others. Wow. It was a a, a big, powerful empire. Um, But what brought into the war? Well, this comes from Britannica. The Ottoman Empire uh, entry into World War I resulted from an overly hasty calculation of likely advantage. The Ottomans made a substantial contribution to the Central Powers War effort. Their forces fought in Eastern Asia Minor, Azerbaijan, Mesopotamia, Syria and Palestine and the Dardanelles, as well as on European fronts, and they held down large numbers of Entente troops. Hmm. Uh, But yeah, I think they got involved because they thought they were going to win some some quick victories and... um, uh, maybe still thinking, hey, we can, we can uh, rise again as a great power. But uh, this was really the death throes for that. This show is brought to you by BetterHelp. I got to get something off my chest. Okay, I ate your last biscuit. I was that saving has been, them for my wedding. That has been stress. <laughs> that has been stressing me out. I'm so sorry. That feels a lot better to get that off my chest. You know, keeping things bottled up can affect people negatively, and that had been affecting me. And that felt that's a weight off my shoulder. Yeah. it was delicious. I'm not sorry, but I did take the last biscuit
4: he, that he was saving for
3: his wedding.
0: I didn't know that. <laughs>
4: com D-G-O today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com D-G-O.
3: This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain.
0: Uh, With the deadlock in trench warfare on the Western Front uh, in January of 1915, Germany started utilising their Zeppelins against the British. Uh, And I know... I think it was Dave's report, episode 120, about the Hindenburg disaster. Oh, that's mm. right. Jess, do you remember anything about that? Yeah,
3: <laughs> I remember Zeppelins.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think, Dave, you actually went into a bit of the history of Zeppelins. Uh, yeah. They're basically big air blimps. Yeah. Lighter than air. Mate, were filled with hydrogen?
4: Uh, yes, Or something at like... first.
0: Uh, because it's is <laughs> Which is... I flammable. Mean, yeah. Because this is earlier, this was at first. Yep. So... Um, they were invented by German Count Ferdinand von Zeppelin in the late 1800s. Incredible. And they were, you know, they were really still brand new technology at this point. By the time of the Hindenburg disaster, that was 30-odd uh, years later, between the two wars, wasn't it? I think it was yep. just before World War yep, II. in America. It crashed. Uh, according to a BBC article by historian and aerial specialist Ben Robinson, before the 20th century, civilians in Britain were ra- largely unaffected by war but this was to change on the 19th of January 1915 with the first air attacks of World War I by the German Zeppelin. When the war started in 1914, the German armed forces had several Zeppelins, each capable of travelling at about 85 miles per hour and carrying up to two tonnes of bomb- bombs. The first raid took place on the eastern coastal towns of Great Yarmouth and Kings Lynn on the 19th of January 1915. Residents reported hearing an eerie throbbing sound above them, cool. followed shortly afterwards by the sound of explosions in the streets. Isn't that gives you a sort of yeah. chills? Kate Argyle from English Heritage said, quote, There was no military advantage. It was all about instilling terror, and really that's what these aerial bombardments did. The zeppelins would come out of the dark. You couldn't see them, and it was totally random. You didn't know if you were running towards danger or away from it. So you'd hear it and you'd be like, shit, run. But where? Where, yeah. You yeah.
3: could be running straight for
0: it. Uh, the aim of the Zeppelins was clear. The Germans hoped to break morale at home and force British government into abandoning the war in the trenches. But there was, that was not the sort of chaos and panic that the Germans had wanted. Sorry. But there was not the sort of chaos and panic that the Germans had wanted. The people reacted very stoically. (laughs) Yeah, like, well, fuck you. I'm going
4: to join the army then.
0: Yeah, that's basically what happened. (laughs) And they sort of supposedly, according to Miss Miss, uh, Argyle, uh, they got on with the job of clearing up that British sense of not being phased by this. And uh, then as the months went on, the bombing raids continued. Um, To this point, the Zeppelins would get in, drop some bombs, get out unharmed. No one knew what, you know, they didn't quite know what to do. But at the beginning of September 1916, more than a dozen German airships headed for Britain in their largest raid. Bombs fell in Nottinghamshire, Lincolnshire and Kent, but only one airship made it through to London. It immediately came under heavy anti-aircraft fire and was shot down by 19-year-old William Leif Robinson. While Britain celebrated, the Germans stepped things up with the so-called Super Zeppelins but Britain had <laughs> They found... had a red
3: racing stripe on them.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. <it's... laughs> We're jazzing them up a bit, making them bigger. <laughs> <laughs> the that 19-year-old shot us down. Let's give him a bigger target. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, they're bringing out these super Zeppelins, but unfortunately for them, as the article says, Britain had found the Zeppelin's Achilles heel, explosive bullets which would set the hydrogen alive. Wow. <laughs> Uh, this would prove to be the Zeppelin's undoing. When a Zeppelin first appeared in the skies above Great Yarmouth, it was an invincible force, but now they were outclassed and dealt with swiftly. And this, you know, this was in a matter of a couple of years. So there was, there was a fair bit of time where they were absolutely freaking out um, English. Wow. Uh, during their brief but deadly dominance, the airships killed more than 500 people and injured more than 1,000 in places all down the east of the country. And, yeah, like Argyle said, there was no real advantage. These are people, you know, still getting about their lives. It was just trying to trying to make, build pressure on the government to go, hey, let's pull out of this war. Yeah. Uh, but it did not have that effect. And like Dave said, it probably had the opposite effect. It, it made people go... they, Because they, ba- ba- literally babies were dying in their beds after being bombed because they're bombing indiscriminately in civilian areas. So... People are like, I want to join this.
4: Yeah, fuck these pricks. I there's am. one way to make it stop, and that's to make it the the whole war stop yeah. by winning. Yeah.
0: Um. So, yeah, I didn't know anything ab- about that, so that's why I sort of went into that. Um, yeah, it's very interesting. Tragic as well. Yeah, it's a, the what a yeah so much tragedy. It's a that's something I found about the World War. Do you think
4: there's a few grim
0: facts coming pretty, up? Pretty pretty grim. Pretty grim topic. A, pretty What's grim a, b- overall.
3: Well, I mean, that's a bit of a hot take.
0: Yeah. But there's also like so many stories. You could there's a million. I mean, like you two picked two out in the last two weeks. Yeah. There's so many stories. That
4: yeah, millions of moving
0: parts. Yeah.
3: Yeah, with so many people involved, you're gonna get these weird and wonderful characters and
0: yeah, bravery and tragedy. And, and, yeah. And, yeah. But yeah, I guess what I'm trying to do is just give the just an overall um, sort of like a zeppelin air view of the war. <laughs> Does that make sense to you? A zeppelin's like a big blimp. <laughs> I
3: just feel like maybe, because they don't seem like they're very good, you know, because they're dropping bombs on people. That's not good. So maybe you should just be like a drone. Oh, okay. Like Like a friendly drone. Yeah, drones haven't done anything bad. (laughs) Yeah. A drone with a smiley face on it. Yeah, Yeah,
4: a drone
0: from like Barry Plant Real Estate Agency. Yeah. Yeah,
3: a friendly drone.
0: What about like a Goodyear blimp? Okay. I mean, it's pretty positive. Good year.
3: Now we're talking.
4: (laughs) That's one of your old catchphrases, in fact. Oh, yeah. A good year blimp.
3: <laughs> I was like, and now we're talking. I've never said that.
4: <laughs> and now we're talking.
0: <laughs> but I think you yes. should start. <laughs> now we're talking. Oh,
3: now we're talking. All right, I'm going to start saying it.
0: So Zeppelins were new to warfare, for sure. But on the other hand, ships. The blimps of the sea. Oh, my God,
3: yes. <laughs> They're like And horses, the blimps of the land.
0: Yeah. Kaiser, what if we could get a blimp in the ocean? <laughs> well, that, uh, uh, actually, Dave, the ships had been used in warfare for, for many years prior to this. Really? No. Before a blimp? Even pre-blimp, yep.
3: They were using boats
0: yep. before yep. blimp. So you think uh-huh. that blimps are actually the
4: boats of the sky. God, I always got that the wrong way around. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that is wow. true.
3: Oh, airship. Airship,
4: mm-hmm. but in the water. Yeah. Wow. It's sort of ship. like a water airship. God, so many things were invented for this war.
3: Yeah. I mean, you yeah, know, What's one of the the good things about war is that the innovation.
4: That's right. Innovation, technology. It just it grows in leaps and bounds. We now, put ships on the
0: water. Now they're flying in the water. Yeah. That's crazy. I was I was going to talk about briefly. I was I was writing about how. Um, uh, planes changed the war a little bit, even though that it was they were more effective in World War Two. But then I remembered uh, where I recently heard all that was in <laughs> your episode. Someone's telling me about <laughs> that. Yeah, you know
3: it's funny. I was hearing about how planes changed a lot.
0: Yeah, where the Red Baron that? episode because I mean it was about the Red Baron, but you also talked a lot about how um, planes yeah. got involved a lot. Dave, you actually went on. It was a bit yappy. Yeah, yeah. Bit, bit much. Of, bit of this. Yeah, yeah. bit of this. I'm doing the... Yeah, uh, one of these, two of these. Use them in that ratio, yeah. please. Need Talking a little about, more of this. I was pointing at my cock and balls. <laughs>
3: <laughs> one of these, Mate. two of these. And it's actually, it's the wrong way around for yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> He's got two penises yeah. and one ball. One ball. It's very big, though, the ball.
4: Yeah. One big
0: ball.
3: <laughs> one big ball.
0: <laughs> you got to overcompensate. No, you guys are confused. I'm just sitting on one of those old <laughs> bouncy balls with two handles. <laughs> 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 so, anyway, I'm going to talk a bit about, about ships okay. in the war. According to history.com, in the years before World War I, the superiority of Britain's Royal Navy was unchallenged oh. by any other nation's fleet. This was the, the pride of Britain. Hmm. They had a smaller army. Um, I think the other powers at this point had, like, big civ- civilian armies. They, they drew on the population more, whereas Britain still just had a smaller sort of... Pro army. Yeah, right. I'm using the wrong terms, but you kind of know what I mean. Yeah, but their navy was massive, bigger than anyone else's. I mean, it makes some sense. They are fully surrounded by water. They were girt. They were girt by sea. A mm. lot mm. more girt. Mm. Uh, so their superiority on the superiority on the waves on the high seas mm-hmm. was unsurpassed. Mm. But the Imperial German Navy had made substantial strides in closing the gap between the two naval powers. Germany's strength on the high seas was also aided by its lethal fleet of U-boat submarines. Oh no! After the after the Battle of Dogger Bank in January nineteen fifteen. Love that! Never heard of that. Dogger one. Bank. Dogger Bank.
3: I'm imagining dogs robbing a bank. Oh my
4: god! Are they wearing balaclavas? Of course! Wow! How like, was they be identified?
0: Do they? I was imagining people having sex and, and other people watching. <laughs> is that what dogging is? He would inside a bank. Wait, you'd assume dogs would be involved in dogging, but apparently not. And you, you learn that the hard way.
4: Hi, <laughs> hey guys, I'm here for the event. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, Poochie, time to the go. The event. <laughs> time to go. Get in the car. Get in the car. It's the dogging event. You're no longer needed. Poochie. Poochie, get out of here.
3: Poochie, go home.
4: Poochie. Poochie, go home. <laughs> I don't want you to say this. <laughs> don't look at me. Oh, my God, I thought this was a dog show. Don't look at me. <laughs>
3: That's what you get for naming your dog Poochie. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
4: First dog name that comes into my head.
3: You have a dog.
4: I don't want to involve Humphrey in this absolute
0: <laughs> debauchery. Uh, so after the Battle of Dogger Bank in January 1915, in which the British mounted a surprise attack. <laughs> 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 mounted a Pomeranian. Oh dear. You're being silly now, listeners. <laughs> I'm so, so sorry, sorry for huh? you to seem like this. <laughs> so, the, this is still from history.com. The British mounted a surprise attack at Dogger Bank <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, on German ships in the North Sea. The German Navy chose not to confront Britain's mighty Royal Navy in a major battle for more than a year, preferring to rest the bulk of its naval strategy on its U boats, the submarines. The biggest naval engagement of World War I, the Battle of Jutland, Jutland, Jutland. In May nineteen sixteen, left British naval superiority on the North Sea intact, and Germany would make no further attempts to break an Allied naval blockade for the remainder of the war. I mean, this is this is summarising it pretty briefly. They had some, they had some wins on the seas as well. The Germans,
4: but they were mostly pinned in. Is that right?
0: Yeah, they kept, um, they kept going into lakes and going. Oh no, we're in this, buddy. Oh, shit. Someone put up a dam do on we, this. Do a U boat U turn. That was what they were meant to be good at.
3: I still I think assume. submarines
0: are stupid. Really?
3: I think they're dumb. Underwater blimps. What are they for? Like, well, well, it's like what's a, wrong with being above the
0: water? Well, you, you can't see them under the water.
3: <laughs> okay, so paint your boat camo. Uh, yeah, paint your
0: boat the colour of the ocean. Oh, that's. I color. just
3: think submarines are funny.
0: Yeah. That's all.
4: I think they're funny a lot too. Of comedy. Up periscope. That's very funny. that? Like,
0: are they the funniest transport or oh, uh, What are those ones that can go on water and land? I'm thinking hover boats. Hoverboards, hover yeah. Ho- no, hover boats. Hover boats. Is that what
4: they call Hovercraft?
0: Hovercrafts. Hovercraft.
4: <laughs> <laughs> it's not, not hover or boat.
3: <laughs> hover Hovercraft. I
4: also think tandem bicycles are funny.
3: Yeah, I really I've never been on one but I want to. They look
4: funny. Yeah, it Especially looks funny. if you're the person who's just pedaling and you have no
0: control of the steering.
4: Yeah. No, no, don't turn left.
0: Yeah, I saw. I was standing in the city the other week, and a guy in a suit cruised past on an electric unicycle. I'm like,
3: electric unicycle. <laughs> oh, right, yeah, yeah. That is,
0: that's number one. For I bet funny. He, he he would have grown up like a hippie, juggling and stuff. Yeah, yeah like, like like hippies do, they juggle. Yep, and then he sold out of the corporate <laughs> interests. And oh, now,
3: yeah. now he's definitely the most fun guy in that office. So he's always like, it's just so all funny. right, everyone, taking my unicycle. They're like, shut, shut up, Steve. Up. It
0: was fun. It's just something about seeing a guy ride such a silly mode of transport with such a glum look on his face in a suit <laughs> holding a briefcase. It was something
3: yeah, something
0: fun about it. Sold out on the way to work for Shell. <laughs> shell for Shell. He's
4: petrol-guzzling
0: unilitary unicycle. Anyway, what the fuck was I talking about? Sorry, that was a bit much.
4: Uh So Germany... Had a had a crack at the
0: high seas, but they got sort of That's blockaded right. in. But the U-boats did have a major impact on the war. Uh, as it, well as um, proving an effective way to attack their enemies, they also played a large role in bringing the United States into the war. You heard of these guys? United States? Who? America? United States of America? America? America?
3: America?
0: Yeah. Ah. <laughs> com also summarises the United States' involvement in the war, saying... At the outbreak of fighting in 1914, the United States remained on the sidelines of World War I, adopting the policy of neutrality favoured by President Woodrow Wilson. Woody. <laughs> <laughs> While continuing to engage in commerce and shipping with European countries on both sides of the conflict. They're like, we don't want to get in this war, we just want to make money out of both sides. <laughs> it's sort of like Gordon Gecko is the president. Um, neutrality, however, was increasingly difficult to maintain, in the face of Germany's unchecked submarine aggression against neutral ships, including those carrying passengers. According to the worldwar.org, on february fourth, nineteen fifteen, Germany initiated a policy of unrestricted submarine warfare, whereby all merchant ships, including those of neutral countries, would be subject to attack. There's this big sort of growing power in the United States. Who's sending ships past and Germany's like Phew. Let's fucking blow them up. Why do they keep making these arrogant choices? It just seems like, yeah, it seems like a bit of a mistake. But, I mean, they sort of temper that shortly. Germany did at this point declare the area around the British Isles a war zone. I guess in their minds they're like, anyone delivering stuff to our enemy? We don't. Some of it's probably got ammunition and who, things they're using in the war effort. So that, that was their logic. Uh, according to history.com, a string of attacks on merchant ships followed culminating in the sinking of the British ship Lusitania by a German U-boat on May the 7th, 1915. Although the Lusitania was a British ship and it was carrying a supply of munitions, these things are are what Germany used uh, to justify the attack. It was principally a passenger ship, which, you know, is a pretty full-on thing to attack. Um, And the 1201, sorry Bob, people who drowned in its sinking, included 128 Americans. The incident prompted US President Woodrow Wilson to send a strongly worded note to the German government (laughs) demanding an end to to German attacks against unarmed merchant ships. By September 1915, the German government had imposed such strict constraints on the operation of the nation's submarines that the German Navy was persuaded to suspend U-Bolt U boat warfare altogether. Wow. So it was a very strongly worded. Wow, yeah. And they obviously were a bit wary of America.
3: Yeah, let's not fuck with them.
0: Um, The sinking of the Lusitania, I don't know how to say that, uh, had already helped. I think we've
4: said Lusitania, Lusitania before.
0: Lusitania. The sinking of the Lusitania had already helped turn the tide of public opinion against Germany, though. By early 1917, German Navy commanders had convinced Kaiser Wilhelm II that the U-boats were essential to the war effort, suggesting that unrestricted U-boat warfare could result in a German victory by the second half of 1917. Why well, just use the U-bolts. U-boats? U-boats we'll, on we'll anything? Sort this out. We'll just take it. We'll get it done.
3: You keep saying U-bolt because of Usain Bolt. Do you reckon?
0: I think it's you know Chucky U-bolt. It's like Chucky U-banger. Chucky U. banger chucky i
3: have never
4: heard
0: U-bolt. Is U Bolt not a thing? No. Chuck a
4: Usain Bolt.
0: Chuck a Usain Bolt, mate. No,
4: I've never heard. No. U Banger. U Banger, I've heard.
3: Oh. U E, obviously. U Bang, U E. Yeah, Chuck a U Banger. U Bolt. Fuck, we're a dumb country. Have I made that up. What uh, are we talking about? I
0: imagine these are probably international terms. U Banger? Yeah.
3: Chuck a U Banger? Chuck
0: Yui. Chuck Yui. Yeah.
4: God, oh, it's a beautiful language.
0: Well, as my girlfriend
4: calls it, a Melbourne special.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, U E's are new to her.
4: Yeah, they're up in. Uh, Sydney and uh, Canberra less. They just do the gung ho.
0: Well, also because a lot of. Th- turns? They've got a lot of one
4: way streets. Yeah, a lot of no no right turns kind of thing.
0: Yeah. That's but, probably why.
4: But yeah, she was amazed at how often the Melbourne she's economy a, she's, was,
0: was born on the U, U Oh, turns back. and she's
4: definitely fit. started to fit in. Yeah. Great on the U Bang now. Oh, great. Melbourne Specials left, right, and centre. Love a U Good Bang. on her. Melbourne Specials. Mostly left and right, not much in the centre. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, fuck them.
3: Fuck them, I reckon. Harkham, Harkham, <laughs> uh, a beautiful language.
0: Oh, great! So, so the the navy commanders, German navy commanders, they first they went to they convinced the German army. Mm. They said, "Hey, you, our mates on land, huh? You get it? You yeah. land lubbers. Yeah, we take. We, we, if you give us ability just to blow stuff up, yeah,
3: let us just blow some shit up. Let's. Hey, aren't you guys a bit sick of war?" Let me blow some shit up. I can sort this out for you. Yeah. Give me that. 10 minutes. Yeah, I can have
4: this wall wrapped up in 10 minutes. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. 15. Just to be safe, but I reckon 10. But 10 mark me out for 15. Yeah. I don't want to be a liar.
3: Yeah, give me 15. It might take me more like 11 by the time I get back, but yeah. I'll have it all wrapped up
4: Have you already started easy. the clock? Oh, fuck. I'm going to need 16 minutes.
3: You started the clock 10 minutes ago. Oh, dear. <laughs> I wasn't even here ten minutes ago. Why did you start a random yeah. clock? Oh, that's not for me. That's for someone else. Oh, okay, okay,
4: okay. Sorry. Okay, 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 okay.
3: I am so flustered. You got multiple clocks.
4: Multiple people on the clock. So I could not find a park. I could not. Find a- <laughs> <laughs> if you just give me like two minutes to get my stuff together, I promise you, my presentation will blow your mind. <laughs> All right, do and you that, have something I can put then this USB I, stick? In?
3: I found the Parker. That I <laughs> I was in a rush. I ran out. then I realised I left the presentation of the car. Had to go back to Let's the car back. get it. Now I'm even later. Oh boy! Oh my, my god! I, I am
0: sweating a lot. <laughs>
3: Has anybody got? Do some you have
0: a colour printer?
3: <laughs>
4: I
0: I was told need a three. Did have yeah. AV facilities? <laughs>
4: I'm Gary, by the way.
0: <laughs> Great to meet you. Do me you, take you have a VHS. Yeah. Come on.
3: I was told there'd be an easel ready for my yeah. presentation. I'll I be painting s- this. I don't
4: see no easel. <laughs> so. I
3: spoke to Sharon on the phone.
4: Where is, is Sharon? Sharon
3: here. Sharon.
4: Would be to put a face to an a face of a liar.
3: Matt, so patiently waiting to continue.
4: <laughs> sorry, sorry. So no. they've said, in summary...
3: parking. <laughs> yeah.
4: Do I have to pay for my own ticket if I don't get the deal?
3: <laughs> that seems rough.
4: That seems rough.
3: Who do I speak to for a cup of tea? <laughs> I am parched. <laughs> Is that too much to ask?
0: So, th- <laughs> so the German Navy commanders, they convinced Wilhelm, they convinced the army, they said... We need you we need the U-boats to be able to get back in action, just blow up whatever they like. Back in the water. There was one guy, the German chancellor, Theobald von Bethham Bethmann Holweg.
4: Oh, he's the Bethman.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, it seems like the groom has a lisp. Uh, Matt, will you be my Bethman? <laughs> Theobald von Bethmann Holweg. He he feared. He feared antagonizing the Americans. He's like, I don't think we should be doing this, but he wasn't invited to the meeting. <laughs> he
4: wasn't invited to the wedding. <laughs>
0: <laughs> to the wedding. Best man, not a Bethman. <laughs> not invited to the wedding, unfortunately. Uh, and <laughs> So he's got Was he not invited because they were like, this guy doesn't agree with us. Possibly. Let's not let him in. But mm-hmm. the Kaiser went once the Kaiser said, Yeah, let's go for it. Theobald von Bethmann. The Bethman. <laughs> he... He got behind it and he said, very you nice, know, you're the boss. So with that, the U-boats were back in action. Uh, so how long were they, they were out for? So they said, America, don't that worry about something it. Something like, you know, up to, not quite, but nearly two years. 19, uh, y- over a year anyway. 1915 to early 1917. Wow. Now they're like, fuck it, let's go after everything. Yes. I think about September 1915, the German government had imposed the strict restraints, constraints, and they basically pulled the pin on it, and then Feb 1915. So less than a year and a half, but over a year. Yeah, Yeah. it's amazing. Um, The Chancellor's fears about America being antagonised were warranted, as according to History.com, in February 1917, very soon after, Congress passed, the US Congress passed, a $250 million arms appropriations bill intended to make the United States ready for war. This is a war they didn't want to be involved in. They were just happy to be selling stuff to both sides and just getting on with um, being a you know a, a pretty prosperous country. Uh, Germany sunk four more U.S. merchant ships the following month, and on April the second, Woodrow Wilson appeared before Congress and called for a declaration of war against Germany. Uh, in his address to the U.S. Congress, Congress Wilson said, "Quote." The world must be made safe for democracy. Its peace must be planted upon the tested foundations of political liberty. We have no selfish ends to serve. We desire no conquest, no dominion. We say we see no indemnities for ourselves, no material compensation for the sacrifice we shall freely make. They're basically saying we're doing this for the good of the world. There's nothing in it for us. Uh, which just like there wasn't. They were doing it for the good of the world and they were, like, supplying both sides of the
3: yeah for the good of the world. Of the war
4: to <laughs> yeah, keep, keep yeah. killing each other.
0: Yeah. Well, that is the point. Um, and though he said there was no dominion, they sought to gain. Because, I mean, this is what Europe was doing from before the World War until, you know, after. They were taking over countries, chopping them up, sharing them out between countries. They go, oh, we'll take this half of this African area. You can have some of that. We'll fight over it to get where the border's going to be. And they were doing that around the world. Yeah. Uh, America, they weren't really doing this. And that's what he's, I guess that's who he's saying that to, these European countries. We're not doing it for any land or anything. Um, But despite him saying that, perhaps uh, the fear of losing some territory may have factored into their decision to join the war. As according to World War One Centennial.org, around the same time, quote, an intercepted German telegram revealed a plan offering Mexico territory it had lost to the US during the Mexican-American War of 1846 to 1848 in exchange for its support. So Germany's going, "Hey Mexico, you jump on board with us and we win, we'll give you some we'll give you that territory back that America took from you." So maybe and and apparently that happened just before America joined the war. So the bombing of their boats and blowing up of their people played into it perhaps also them going we, we don't like this deal that yeah. Germany's making with Mexico as well, potentially. Um, according to World War I, centennial.org, once again, in the months that followed America entering, entering the war, over 4 million Americans of all backgrounds entered military service and prepared to go overseas. That's a big shot in the arm for the yeah. Entente. Uh, the US government took an active role in mobilizing American industry and society in support of the war effort. And in France, General John Blackjack Pershing uh, led the effort to organize millions of incoming American troops into an effective fighting force. This is kind of where I' I'm, I'm, I'm finishing up uh, the first half of the report with oh, America. I love that
4: war. America's entering and it's like ending on a cliffhanger.
0: Yeah, so I'll, I'll just get to their first battle but and then we'll um, uh, we'll call it until next week. In May of 1917 the US Congress, authorised the Selective Service Act, initiating the first military serv- uh, draft since the Civil War. This is a big thing. On May the 28th, the US fought its first major battle of the war in the Battle of Kortinyi. Uh American troops captured the town of Courtigny, scoring a victory over the Germans and taking an important observation point. The war was changing. It like it really was a big turning point, America joining the war. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's where we're leaving it for this Whoa. week. Whoa! Wow! How will it end? Who will win? We'll find. We'll find out next week. Oh, thank goodness! I will let you know. Great. Um, if I find out, assuming I find out first, I will. That's right. You will be. Be honest. There, so. Have you looked ahead, or are you? No, no. No spoilers. Yeah. Great. Don't want to... it.
4: It's interesting for you too.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Go I- keep it fun yourself. Yeah. I haven't read any of this before. I'm reading it. Wow. That's why I stumble half the time, <laughs> especially on this episode. That I have no time to edit out those stumbles. <laughs> normally, I do it painstakingly. The ones that I normally leave in are on purpose.
3: Yeah, to make you seem human. Yeah, yeah, you sound robotic otherwise. Uh huh. No one's perfect. You don't want to sound scripted, you know.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to hear what uh, if listeners like the idea of doing some bigger topics that are two parters, or if they f- if that is frustrating to have a cliffhanger. I yeah. know having uh, being in the middle of because uh, TV was just all binging, and then Disney Plus has yeah. come in, and all of a sudden they're doing weekly stuff, and I just want to get to the end of WandaVision. <laughs> Every episode I watch, I'm like, oh, I want to watch the next one. But anyway, whatever. <laughs>
4: I don't care. I'm fine.
0: Hopefully, hopefully the listeners aren't feeling that way right now, although they probably are.
4: Yeah. There are some different, definitely some uh, topics that I've thought about before and I've thought, that's too big. Yeah. Couldn't do that in a yeah. one, one episode. So maybe if people are up for the two-parters, it can become a, an occasional thing. Mm. Mm.
0: Yeah, sweet. I mean, yeah, this uh, halfway through and we're uh, well over an hour into it. So, and we've, uh, I don't know if anyone's noticed, but we stopped talking for bullshit for 15 minutes at the start. Fun little thing we've done. Huh? Yeah, now we just talk a little bit more bullshit right here.
3: Um, I
4: but I gotta say, Matt, you Bethman
3: doing... really got me. Bethman, sorry. I thought I was gonna throw up. I was <laughs> laughing so hard, and then I like my I was my eyes were closed. I was laughing, and when I opened them, I was scared I was gonna faint. <laughs> something about it. You really, really got had me. a medical emergency over there. Yeah, it wasn't good.
0: Wow. I am, uh, Justin, Dave. You, you both, students of history. Am am I doing an okay job so far? I think you're doing
4: a fantastic job. I'm across it all. I'm understanding the different powers. Obviously, there's so many different moving parts, multiple countries and empires, and you're doing a great job. Oh,
0: thanks. I
3: consider myself more a student of life.
0: Yeah, yeah, of now.
3: Yeah, I'm a student of now. I look back. Actually, I'm a big old planner. I'm always looking ahead. Yeah. I'm um, very goals oriented as well. You're a so,
0: futurologist.
3: Yes, I am a futurologist. So none of all of this is n- new to me, um, and riveting, especially the U-boat stuff.
0: I know you love a you love a sub.
4: God, they're dumb. You lo- no? You find them annoying? Is it annoying or is don't it just strange? I know. I just think
3: they're a bit silly. I think we're like, oh, submarine, but it's like, it's a, what are you talking about? They're so silly. Yeah. You know?
0: They brought America into the war. That was silly, actually. That I think that was silly. pretty silly. That was, a bit, it was a bit silly. It, made, it does seem like, I mean, you always look back on on the losers and go, ooh, that's a big tactical error. Yeah. And then the other side makes big tactical errors as well, and you just don't think about them as much. Yeah, exactly yeah, right.
4: But that tactical error led to our victory. <laughs> you know, yeah, you really yeah, spin yeah.
0: it. But i got to say, when he, some of the things it does feel like, there were a couple of foolish yeah, choices. See, like I uh, looking at, I had to look at the map to see um, how how hard it would have been to go around Belgium. It wouldn't have been that hard.
3: Yeah, right. Yeah, it seems unnecessary to just go and start blowing shit up. And
0: yeah, it's like
3: they like, were, they were the ones going. No,
0: thank you. <laughs> if they really wanted this quick quick win, then don't bring in other uh, other powers. Yeah, twice yeah. they've brought in two big powers by by accident, and they still was. I mean, they were still. Pretty, it shows how powerful they yeah, were. Yeah, it's
4: amazing that they gave it such a great run yeah. already.
0: It's like, whoa. It's amazing. But, imagine if they hadn't brought in these powers. Yeah, that's right. Might have got the job done for exactly, this. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that brings us to everyone's favourite section of the show, the fact, quote, or question section. Mm. It has a little jingle, I think, or something like this.
3: Fact, quote, or question. Ding. ding. A little Lily on the ding.
0: Always early on the day. Thank you. Uh,
4: the first... No, sometimes I nail it. Come on. Oh yeah, you do normally nail. Sometimes it. I go, but I do, and I know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I do usually. Okay. But I didn't count in this time. No. Sorry.
3: You went with your heart. I was your heart on the. Was
4: wrong. I was Mario in Mario Katz and I uh, hit the accelerate too early. Mm. Thought I was going to get a boost, and I absolutely.
0: <sighs> I. Uh, you fucked it. Yeah, I stalled it. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> So the way you get involved in this is you go to Pod.com or patreon.com slash Pod and you sign up on the Sydney Schoenberg Deluxe Memorial Edition package, rest in peace. Uh, and you get a bunch on that level. Uh, it's one of the higher levels, admittedly. You get a bunch of different rewards. You get all the ones from the other lower levels, including voting rights on topics. Mm-hmm. You get to uh, get three bonus episodes per month, You get, including a bonus report. You get uh, this month, Dave read a childhood book to uh, Jess and I and a show that we now call My Dave Wrote a Poirot.
4: That's right, because it was a a self-penned book from uh, when I was 12. And a bit of a
0: mystery. Do you want to give the sizzle of what
4: you found during the week? Oh, well, let me just say that I was a... Doing a bit of cleaning out of old stuff at my parents' house, and I may have found uh, another short story written at an even younger age. Oh, Incredible. a prequel. It's this, even younger. It is prequel, yeah. It is uh, an even earlier
0: Poirot. That is exciting. So
4: hopefully we'll be able to read that out soon as a patreon on the episode.
0: Uh, you get other things like get yeah, access to the uh, exclusive Facebook group and uh, many other things. So get involved if you want to, but... This is the main one for that level. You get to give a fact, a quote, or a question. You also get to give yourself a title. And first up this week, the great Rachel Johnson, who's given herself the title Official Human Slash Emu Liaison. Oh, great.
3: God, we needed that.
0: That is very yeah. handy. Thank uh,
4: goodness. We learn our lesson. We need one of those. Yeah.
0: We don't want to kick off again. And Rachel is asking a question. And here's the question. I don't read them until I read them. Here it is. If you each had to compete on a reality TV show, which one would it be? Dancing that with the a Stars. That is a great question. Dancing with the Stars. It's the
4: only one I do. So a reality show. So game shows obviously don't count. Ah, uh, yeah, I don't think they count. Yeah. Okay, so it's got to be yeah, it's got to be like a format, different genre.
3: Will not do like I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, Survivor, none of that. No, thank you.
4: What about The Amazing Race? Oh, uh, still fun. Still the crazy challenges. Very
3: much depends on who with.
4: Oh, I mean,
0: you get a choice.
3: You yeah, normally get paired up
0: with a good friend or a partner, don't you?
3: Yeah, that's a fucking nightmare. Okay. You wouldn't
0: go with your partner?
3: No! No!
4: Really? But you guys travelled together?
3: Yes! I okay. think <laughs> and and
4: we coming from. That's right. The <laughs> no, watermelon challenge. For that.
3: The, the easiest person to fluster. Right. Like, like sometimes just like a supermarket will fluster him.
0: Really? The supermarket challenge would really get him? Yeah, no good. You want you want somewhere in between because you don't want them to be too unflustered either. Yeah. Because you're like, come on, get up. We've got a race to do. Yeah. Nah, not ah, flustered. She'll be all
3: right. Yeah, exactly. I'd probably, maybe my brother for Amazing Race, I reckon.
4: Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be fine.
0: What about you but and But you've already selected
4: an I know. Show. I said Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, sorry. I was just wondering, Cause I'd your like brother?
3: Because I'd like to dance. Ah, oh, he's pretty strong. He could lift me, I reckon. Okay. But, but I, mean, don't, I, don't I, think he, I don't think he has the hips. Ideally,
0: one it. of you would be a professional. <laughs>
3: exactly. So no, probably, not, probably not Probably with my brother that one.
0: I, I hadn't thought of Amazing Roast. So I think that's one I'd go for. I'd fun. pretty much do any of with them. With who? Uh, any, any of you? Either of you? I don't I'd go with, with you. you. Yeah, I'll there do with go. that. There you go. You guys go. <laughs> I would go with you. I would also go
4: with you, Matt, on the block. Oh, yeah. Because I have no no practical experience. Like, I'm, I am can't even paint a fence.
0: We would be real underdogs on that, I think.
4: Yeah. yeah. Yep. We uh, need, maybe I need someone like your brother who's got a trade. Yeah. I need someone who's got a trade. Yeah, yeah I would again do the one. block with yeah, my brother. I'll get either of your brothers yeah. with me on the block.
3: Yeah. My brother has been on the block. Really? Yeah, he was like one of the tradies for Oh,
4: the right, because they, they bring, what I love about that is that, yeah, they, obviously, if people are overseas, I don't know if this is an international thing. But I, I think it might be one of the few. Yeah, it's massive week. here and it has been for over, what, 10, 15 years. Yeah. Every year they get a, a, a different couples to renovate
0: homes and there's a, it's a competition and uh, yeah, it's massive here. Yeah, um, I, well, yeah uh, Andy Saunders, comedian, yes. was on a few seasons ago, but a friend of mine and, and uh, supporter of the show, Matt Funnigan, was also a, a, a chippy on there. Yeah, there you go. Oh, very cool. He said it was funny watching the episodes and going, ah, it's not quite how yeah. I <laughs> remember it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, a bit of editing there. A little bit. Uh Unless he signed an NDA and shouldn't have told me that, then obviously just joking,
3: kidding, haha, ha. got you. Um, yeah, and I'm not saying dancing with stars because I consider myself a star, just because I would like to learn how to dance properly. Oh, okay, cool. That'd be nice, you know. And it's for charity. Oh yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I'd pretty, I'd like, I'd do any of that. They all seem like a, a fun, easy way to. I don't think spend I would do. Time.
4: I mean, I'm not putting myself up for it, but. If I ever was a ce- celebrity, I don't think I can do I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out. No I don't right. think Just I
0: actually get celebrities on that one. Yeah. yeah okay, so you think you I'm qualified?
4: Probably are qualified you probably yeah. You probably could get on the there. The snakes. Yeah, no thank you. This season there was, some, uh, I think it was Tony Piran got bitten on the face by a snake three times and kept going in the challenge. Yeah. I was, even though it's non-venomous, the, when you're getting bitten by a snake on the face, yeah. <laughs> it's time to go. No good. For me, I don't like them. A couple of people got bitten by snakes this season. Yeah.
0: It's fucked. It's fucked. I don't know, it seems like a bit of fun. Anyway, I, great channel ten. The program. thing I would keep thinking was, <laughs> they're they're not going to let me get badly hurt, right? Sure.
3: So a snake biting you on the
4: face. So
0: yeah, a I mean, snake sh- on the weekend. Did yeah. On your face? No. Nah, on your the ground. Pants. Yeah. Was it a, a venomous one? Do you reckon? Trousers? Uh, I I don't know. I'd, I I I um gave it a wide berth. Yeah, Walk good call. Probably safe it. to assume that it is. Yeah, I think it's, it's smart, I just assume. That's, uh, a, that's
4: a fun question. I that like was that. a great
0: question. Yeah, good work, Rachel Johnson. This one comes from Jessica English, who's given herself the title of Maritime Attorney International Waters or Bust. Bracket, we've hit a bit of a snag, may take a while. <laughs> Bracket. Uh, for okay, those who don't know, great. this is Dave's dream is to do a podcast in international yes. waters. Yes. Or on international waters, not hey. in a sub.
4: No. No. Oh, we would love to be like a, in a, a floating zeppelin. Barge. A barge. I'd love to be on As a, a barge. A,
0: a zeppelin-sized <laughs> zeppelin barge. Barge. Uh, Jessica has given us a fact. Here's the fact. A zebroid is a cross between a zebra and any other member of the family equidae, pronounced equidae. <gasps> Got you
1: it. did
0: it. Which, besides zebras, includes donkeys, ponies, and horses. A zonkey is a cross between a zebra and a donkey. A zony is a cross between a zebra and a pony. A zorse <laughs> is a cross between a zebra and, and a
3: horse. horse. I got so, that one.
0: Good work. Thank you. She, she said, "I don't know why, but I thought Jess would get a kick out of this." Yes,
3: fact. she nailed it. I did. Oh uh, yeah! Wow. I did a lot. Uh,
0: thank That's you. That's fun. Thank you for everything. I'm eagerly awaiting a US or Canadian tour post COVID. So wait, so oh way. my goodness, cannot wait. Thanks so much, Jessica. I was uh, caught up with mates over the weekend for a box, and we were a couple of them. Uh, we went on a box a few years back, in, which was in Vegas, and we're already talking. We're talking about a ten year reunion, which is still a few years away. But the dream is real.
3: That sounds like a we're planning
0: movie. it out. We're deep into talking it out.
3: I love a ten-year reunion of a bucks party. <laughs> oh, yeah, essentially, it's their tenth anniversary. You're talking about. Well, <laughs> he's gonna be like, sorry, hon.
0: <laughs> no, I mean there were, there was a there was a gap between the bucks and the wedding. Yeah, as it should be. Um, you shouldn't
3: do the bucks, like, the da same day. That's a terrible idea.
0: Yeah, I think that's how they used to do them, like, the night, night before. Night before?
3: What are you fucking thinking? What? And
0: then, like, people getting eyebrows shaved yeah, off and exactly. stuff. what are you doing?
3: You I'm idiot. so sorry. Don't everybody. ever do that. A week or two ahead. A week is even pushing
0: it.
4: Yeah, I reckon two weeks two just weeks. to recover. I mean, how, mu- how much can an eyebrow grow in two weeks? Yeah, not that
3: much. They're
0: slow growers' eyebrows. <laughs> Been a few bucksers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you, Jessica English. Another fantastic... Entry. Uh, this one comes from Paloma Valesque or Valesquez. Love it. And Paloma has uh, given themselves the title of Deputy Assistant Wombat Wrangler. Bloody love wombats. Oof. My favourite animal. Great job. Great work, Paloma. Uh, if you need any help, I'm happy to help wrangle. <laughs> uh, the question from Paloma is, as both a religious studies teacher and a Simpsons fan, this is a Homer Simpsons question that I've posed to my students every year, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Could Jesus microwave a burrito so hot that even he could not eat it? <laughs> <sighs> oh, I mean. <laughs> what do <are> your students <laughs> answer to that? Um, oh, is That is it? tricky. That's a great, it's like a paradox, right? Yeah, is this a test?
3: I mean, he turned water into wine. Yes. So he's quite powerful.
4: But also if you're that
0: powerful, you should be able to handle any heat. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. Great Mm. question. Oh. I'm going
3: to say no.
0: As a Simpsons fan, I'm going to answer your question with a question. What's the sound of one hand clapping? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, great question. I'm going to say, wow. Microwave a burrito so hot. I don't have a microwave. What? It's weird, isn't it? Why do you have a microwave? I only noticed the other day when I needed <laughs> a microwave something. I'm
4: like, oh, I don't have one of them. I don't have one either at the moment. What? Three months clean. I don't think
0: I've had one for years. I can't oh, remember really? the last time I've had one. So what, what were you needing one for? Heating up food? Yeah, but uh, the burrito bread. The pita bread. Oh, did you have to chuck yeah. it or in a pan?
3: A, um, a tortilla.
0: Tortilla. Did you
4: have to put it in a pan? Pan seared?
0: Uh, yeah, just pan-seared it.
4: Um, there you go. Well... Why don't you have one?
3: Do I need to buy you both microwaves?
4: I uh, moved to a place with a kitchen where the, it doesn't fit in the cupboard anymore. Ah. So... A microwave in a cupboard? Gotta get
0: a small one. Yeah. You put the sauce and microwaves in <laughs> cupboards, you are yes. a weirdo. I love hot sauce. I put my microwave in the fridge. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah. Like a normal person.
0: All right, quick answers. Yes or no? Can, it, can he... Uh, make it so hot that he can't eat it Yes yet. I think it's one of the only
3: Quick answers Dave Yes No
0: I'm going to I'm Tie break Got to say No Well you're doubting the big man guys Well the problem is He'll always be able to eat it He can eat anything He's Jesus uh, Thank you so much Paloma <laughs> That's one Bible? of the famous things in the Bible Jesus can eat Chapter anything two.
4: <laughs> Menu He'd be great <laughs> He'd be great on I'm a Celebrity Get me out of here Oh yeah yeah He'd, All the challenges He's like
3: slugs no worries Fantastic well Easy peasy. Balls. That snake's great. biting me. I'm going to eat it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to eat, eat me. that snake. I'll let you.
0: All right. I'll show you. No, fuck you. <laughs> the final one this week comes from Paul McNally, who's given himself the title of Country Music Sensation.
3: Oh, <laughs> That right. is brilliant.
0: I love it. The uh,
3: Paul McNally. How many
0: golden guitars do you reckon he's won? Oh, Countless. Too, too many. Yeah. Well done, Paul. <laughs> great title. That's great. Uh, Paul's given us a fact. Here it is. In July 1855, a fight between a crew of firemen and a troop of clowns in a brothel... <gasps> you're, you're facting this fact back to us. I'm pretty sure I just did an episode on this, or am I wrong? Yeah. A fight between a crew of firemen and a troop of clowns in a brothel in Toronto descended into a huge riot that lasted for hours. This directly led to the firing of the entire police force of that city of Toronto. This was the most random pair of sentences I've read in weeks. That's so funny that he was able to break down... Your whole report.
3: Was that a bonus?
0: No, that was a... That was a, it, was Is it called, called the... Toronto Clown Riot. Yeah, something like really? that.
3: <laughs> did you, you did that, Jess. Do you not remember? I vaguely <laughs> remember it, yeah. What's wrong with me? You're, you're always thinking of the future. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking ahead. You're not... I mean, that, I've done that report in the past.
0: You don't look in your mirrors. It's not, uh, for, not For
4: people you. playing at home, I want to check it out because it is an interesting story. That is episode one hundred and fifty-three from September twenty eighteen.
3: Okay, all right, that's long enough ago that it's okay. I don't remember it. I do. I, I, I do. When Matt started, I was like, "Hang on, we've yeah, we've done did have this that story." Look. Yeah, you that look. but and I knew I'd done it, but I would have thought it was a bonus. But I did a whole report on it. Cool. Uh, and thanks for bringing it to our attention again, everyone, because it's good to remember. Well, isn't it?
0: Well, that wasn't everyone. That was country music sensation, Paul McNally. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks, Paul. Uh, and that takes us to uh, a few more shout-outs where we thank a few of our supporters uh, from the DB Cooper level. No. Asprod prod level. And above, mm-hmm. including some dbq below people, Jess. <laughs> <laughs> Don't <laughs> turn it back on me. And Jess, you know when we come up with a little game, we give them a nickname or a something, something well, to do with the topic somehow. It's
3: hard because our topic has been World War One. That's true. So I'm not sure what we can give them. What if we them. give
0: them a superpower? Oh, much like. No, I
4: mean as in like which country or nation oh, or yeah, empire. Okay. <laughs> Because there are more than. All right, let's see what Dave does with this.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you start us off, Dave. We definitely get it. We know exactly <laughs> what you
4: mean. No, it's, actually, it's not going to be very fun. It'll be me being like
0: representing the Russian Empire. Oh, that's fun. Do we, are there nine? Yeah, I guess there are.
3: Can you think of nine? Of all
0: time. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, first from Taupo in New Zealand, it is Hugo Cameron. Hugo, Cameron, come on down, representing the Ottoman Empire. Oh. Is
3: that what Ottomans, like the footstools, are named after? got
0: to be, right? Got
3: to be. Got to be. Got to be. Got to be. Got to
0: be. I reckon maybe once every month there'll be a tweet I see mm-hmm. that uh, joins those two things together.
3: <laughs> yeah. But has anybody confirmed it?
0: No. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. think so.
3: Okay.
0: No one's looking it up. Uh, thank you so much, Hugo. Thank Cameron, you, yeah. representing the Ottoman Empire with 600 years of domination. Uh, I'd also love to thank from Henderson in Nevada, the United States, Kelly Parrish. Kelly Parrish representing <gasps> Japan. All right. Uh, what, what, was it, what, did, what was their full title when they were, or just current, are they a current superpower? Or are you talking like World War era superpower?
4: Oh, I guess it's just, I'm just nations, empires. Yeah, great. Anyone who was part of World War I, it
0: was the Empire of Japan. Empire of Japan. Uh, that is good. <laughs> You've taken uh, one from each side so far. Love that. Love that balance. Ah, uh, uh, that is good. That is good. Ah. <laughs> uh. And finally, from me, I'd love to thank from Oldham in England, Paul Mellor.
4: Paul Maller, come on down, representing,
0: entering the war in 1915, it was
4: Bulgaria. Oh. Oh, okay. What, what point were they power? The Tsardom of Bulgaria, Zardom. also known as Kingdom of Bulgaria. Tsardom nice is good. Work. Also, some of these are more powerful than others, but yeah. still.
0: It's because they did, yeah, Bulgaria has had some, uh, yeah, some time at the top of the pops, I'm sure. When I was in Bulgaria, I was there travelling by myself, and I was walking through a market one time, and a. I've probably told this story on here before. Have I? Group of guys um, sort of corralled me into an alleyway and then circled me and uh, were talking to me in Bulgarian, I guess. And I didn't speak Bulgarian. Not but they was sort of talking quite threateningly. And then I'm going, oh, I'm sorry, I don't understand Oh, and I'm like, oh, no, they, well, I don't, I don't know. They're not talking English either. I'm just sort of like apologizing. <laughs> it was about 12. Oh, my God. Circling me. So they fully, like, literally circling me. And then, and I was just clearly shitting myself because I'm like, I'm here. I'm in this country by myself. I don't know anyone oh, here. Oh, man, if
4: you disappeared, no one would know. Yeah, exactly.
0: It's the kind of thing. It's like, uh, and this is, you know, this is uh, more than 10 years ago. Internet's kind of primitive and stuff. People would have barely known I was in Bulgaria. And um, then they started laughing and then sort of just let me go. <laughs> and I, I have no idea what You don't what know happened. what the joke was? No idea. It was just like they were either like going to... It sort of felt like a mugging. Yeah. And I'm like going, I don't have anything. And then... But then when they started laughing, I'm like, were they just trolling me? I don't know. I, I still don't know. If I was in danger, if they were just fucking with me, have you know, having a bit of fun. That's baffling. Yeah. Wow. But there was there was a a little bit of time there where I'm like, well, this is how it ends. So uh, riddle me this though,
3: when you've been hanging out with groups of your friends, you've done the same thing to an <laughs> to an innocent bystander, right? As oh, a funny yeah. joke. Yeah. All yeah. We all know. have a lot. You laugh. know, the
0: boys, boys. We circle a guy who...
3: Yeah, doesn't speak the language. Bit of fun. And then we say really nice things to him, but our tone is really wrong. We say, do you need directions, mate? Welcome to Melbourne. It's a beautiful city. Enjoy our cafe culture. Then we watch him shit himself for a bit and then we just
0: leave. Bit of fun. Bit of fun. (laughs) Boys, boys, boys. (laughs) Anyway. Had a great time there, apart from that.
3: Apart from that. I reckon that would be enough for me to ruin that place for me. Like I, I didn't have a great time in Spain because my wallet got stolen, and now I'm like, oh, bloody Spain, because <laughs> <That's laughs> of Spain.
0: that. Yeah, Spain, yeah. You
3: had a very scary encounter, and you're like, had a great time. I had a bloody great time.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I reckon that that afternoon was, but uh, that was a bit of a damp. <laughs> yeah. I don't think. I, yeah, I probably just wandered back. Looking bewildered, and thought I should check in with someone. I got to get to a dorm. Yeah, <laughs> get some people around me. I
3: gotta get some
0: people. Anyway, what are we talking about? We're thanking some people, oh, and I'd like yes. to do that now as well, if I may. Dave, are you going to keep, uh, you, you're gonna keep. You're gonna keep. Yeah, yeah, I got a list here. Okay. All right. Well, let's keep working off that list. I would
3: love to thank from San
0: Bernardino. Oh, that, I don't know where that is, but it sounds awesome. California. I oh. California. I'd love to
3: thank
4: Daniel B. Sawyer. Oh, Daniel B. Sawyer. He be representing mm-hmm.
3: New
0: Zealand. Oh. oh. A bit of sizzle. That's, yeah, great. Um, the land of the long white cloud. That's a great title for so it. So good, so
3: good, beautiful, beautiful place, beautiful now. place. Can't wait to go back.
0: Yeah. Um, oh, and it seems like possibly that our, our bubble with them is reopening.
3: That'd be nice. Yeah. Haven't done the North Island, so love to do that.
0: So, is, I mean, isn't that classic sort of imperialist stuff? Haven't done the North Island. You want to go and conquer the North Island?
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you and what?
3: Plant army? your
0: flag, do you? Is that what you want to do? Yeah.
3: Huh? I'm going to take my army over. Plant a <laughs> flag. Say mine. Shotgun.
0: I do believe their army's pretty small. So
3: but I can take them. I can, like, leg press a, a lot. An entire army. That's awesome. Easy peasy. Are you going to invade
0: neutral New Zealand? Yes. That does feel like a bit of a faux pas. Can you
3: stop giving, up, giving away my plan? Sorry. Anyway, I would love to thank from Derbyshire... Also in Great Britain, Alex Cauldron. Oh, I believe it. Is that Derbyshire? I was going to say oh, only because you.
4: the people there would find Yeah, they get well. annoyed. And also because that was my grandmother's surname, Derbyshire.
3: Derbyshire. Derbyshire.
4: And it would annoy her as a teacher to be called
0: Derbyshire.
4: Mrs. Derbyshire.
0: I read this not too long ago because I was, I'm like, what? what is it meant to be? Because Americans and Western Australians say Derby and hmm. East Coast of Australia and England say Derby. But I think it's st- I think I read that it started out as Derby and then something happened where they started saying Derby but it already made it to America and was Derby or something like that. Right. So I think Derby is actually the original, which is funny. Hmm. There you go. Bit of fact, if true. Bit, <laughs> bit of, of Bit of fact. <laughs> bit of fact. <laughs> bit of fact for you. Oh, no. Um. A little
4: bit of fact.
3: A little bit of
0: fact. I not like little... leave it.
4: Who are we thinking from Derbyshire? Alex. Alex. Not representing Derbyshire this time, but representing a client state of the German Empire, the Ukraine.
3: Okay. Oh,
0: the Ukraine. I, love, I reckon that's one of the funner country names, the Ukraine.
3: Yeah, yeah,
0: it yeah is I, like fun. It. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. It is fun. Especially if you think of it as like the third brother to Fraser and Niles. <laughs> Ukraine.
4: Uke? Uke. <laughs> <laughs> Also, the capital being Kiev, lending its name oh, to the yeah. delightful chicken meal.
0: Yeah. I went to school with a guy called Richard Kiev, oh. and you better believe his nickname was Chicken. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Not even Chuck. No. Chook. Chicken. Garlic.
0: Garlic sauce.
4: Garlic. Not even my, Saucy Boy. <laughs> my parents... <laughs> you Saucy Saucy Boy.
3: My parents have, uh, like, an is he uh, the accountant? who has also looked after, like, their will and and their super fund and everything. And when they were going overseas one time, they were like, all right, we'll leave you, like, any documents and stuff
0: in case anything
3: happens to us. And I was like...
0: In case we get encircled in Bulgaria. (laughs) Yeah. Get laughed at.
3: And Because I was like, yeah, actually, I don't know who to contact. Like, I know your accountant's name is Chook, but... (laughs) But I, I don't think I can find him that way. We trusted Chook with everything. I know. And I was like, what's Chook's name? They're like,
4: Ray. I'm like, peck,
0: why? Peck
4: twice. But yes. Chook. <laughs> I'm Chook. like, Chook knows every. Chuck knows so many family secrets.
3: Yeah. Chook, ha- Chook. Chook has it all. Chook has. He knows my name, that's for sure. He's got the keys
4: to the kingdom, Chook.
3: Bloody Chook. He's in charge. Anyway, finally, for me, I would love to thank from another place I'm sure to mispronounce. Uh, Princeton <laughs> Princeton. Princeton. And where's that? also in Great Britain.
4: Princeton. Princeton.
3: Beautiful. Just rolls off the tongue. I would love to thank Jack Evans.
4: Well Jack Evans. Thank you. Step away from Princeton because you are now representing the good people of Canada. All, All right. Canada. Love that. Fantastic. So thank you so much for your support. Oh, thank you so much. Jess is handing me so I can her laptop so I can thank people and also read out countries <laughs> at the same time. Hard on the one phone. Alright, I would love to thank if I could from uh Beadle. Also in Great Britain. Bedal? Beadle, probably.
0: B Dale. Bedale. Be- yeah,
4: B be Dale. That's probably it. B Dale. B Dale. I would like to thank Jamie Chisholm. Jamie Chisholm. Fantastic name there, Jamie Chisholm. I've got, I'm getting a uh, good vibe, so I'm going to assign you the big dog of the central powers. Germany. Germany. Right. Oh, God. Fighting wars left, right, and centre. <laughs> thank you, Jamie Chisholm. I would now like to thank, from Tempe in Arizona, Adrian Hernandez-Arista.
0: Tempe, Tempe. Love it. Oh, what a name as well! I mean, as all these are, but absolutely fantastic. I mean, we had Cauldron just before, yeah. but Adrian Hernandez Arista is very good, magnifique. <laughs>
4: uh, Adrian Hernandez Arista, we oh. might uh, be hearing from your country in the second half of this report, and that is you are representing Italy. Ah. Italy, Italy does.
0: We'll get a mention. Does That's and will. <laughs> Sorry, a little sizzle, a little sizzle for your steak there. I don't
4: eat steak. And wow. finally from me, I would love to thank you. For, sorry, I couldn't see because I'm holding up a laptop. From <laughs> Winterhaven in Florida, name that comes up a lot, a great supporter of the show, that is Odie Matthews.
3: Odie.
4: Odie. Thank you so much, Odie <laughs> Matthews. And it started with the Ottoman Empire. And it's going to end with the Ottoman Empire. Also, the Ottoman Empire, I think, will end at the end of the next episode. But Odie
0: Matthews, <laughs> you've given two Ottoman Empires out.
4: No, no, it's I. Uh, the first that was my example one. Oh, I don't think I signed it to someone. Is that right? No, yeah, you, you did. It. You definitely
3: did. Didn't did I?
4: Yeah. Fine, fantastic. Well, I still have. Uh, uh, to be honest, the list for Central Powers is a lot shorter, so that's why I'm going to give you listed as a supporter from 1915 to 1916, and that is the Ethiopian Empire. Ooh. So didn't you do too much uh, I don't, I don't think you did Austro-Hungary, Great Britain, United States. Yeah, but, but they're on the... Well, apart from Austro-Hungary, you're right, I didn't do them. But the others are on the other side. I was trying to go one, then oh, the other. Oh, you're going for one bit for of, one. Bit of, bit of uh, you know, not playing favourites in this yes. world war.
0: But did leave out the one that started it all.
4: Yeah, well, I don't want to...
0: Cast dispersion. <laughs> Fair enough.
4: So I'm bringing in the Empire of Ethiopia for you, Odie Matthews.
0: On <laughs> Odie. Thank you so much, Odie, Adrian, Jamie, Jack, Alex, Daniel, Paul, Kelly, and Hugo. And the last thing we like to do before we wrap up this week is invite a few of our long-term supporters into the Tripditch Club. If you've been supporting us at the shout-out level or above uh, for three years... You get invited into the triptych Club, a beautiful lounge area, very exclusive. There's a velvet rope separating you from the plebeians. Plebeians? D- plebs. P- plebs, plebeians. Plebeians, thank you. That sounds stupid. And... Uh. <laughs> Uh, It's a a great, I love that word It's It's a stupid word Fun to say I
3: hate it more than submarines
0: I'm standing at the door with a (laughs) list of names um, Checking you off the list Once you go in, Dave's standing there to hype you up To make you feel good This club's all about feeling good, Dave will make you particularly feel good As you enter the club Jess then makes Dave feel good Because this club's all about feeling good Jess has also uh, organised a few hors d'oeuvres A few drinks, cocktails Dave's got a band going Dave, who have you got uh,
4: We've this week? got uh, Simon
0: andor Garfunkel.
4: Oh, andor. Okay. But refusing to perform together, I'm afraid. Right. So, so it's one, one set, the then the other.
0: But there's a fierce game of rocks as to who goes out first. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. I'm looking forward to that. Hmm. Uh, love the boxer. Great tune. Hopefully. La la la. La la. La la la. La la la. La la la. I mm-hmm. reckon mm-hmm. they'll let la, you I oh, reckon they couldn't let me do the. Ksh? I reckon they could. That'd be fantastic. I'll. I'll uh... Maybe I'll bring them back together with my with the power of yeah. my kush.
4: That'd be great if they did <laughs> and the solo sets kush. and
0: then they worked it out and came together. Yeah, the big finale. Yeah. Did a bit of bridge over troubled water together or
3: something. Like a no, I'm not gonna do
0: it. So there's a <laughs> there's a, a a dirty half D coming in today. Ooh, Jess, what, what are they gonna be enjoying in terms well, of drinks and? What World is? War
3: One themed. Yes. Uh, rations.
0: Oh, great. Oh,
3: okay. Rations yeah. of bacon? Uh, no. Okay. Um, you can have one potato. One okay. potato,
0: half a biscuit. One yeah. potato, two potatoes, three potato, four? No. No, just one.
3: potato. Okay. Yes. Whenever bit... you
0: say that, it starts with me off. One potato, two potatoes, three potato, it. four. Stop it. Will you stop saying one You're potato? You're making yourself hungry. There will be bro.
3: a singular potato. Mm. Mm.
0: Singular. Dubular. <laughs> 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 potato <tripletated>. Four. Quad. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so it's, it's rations this week. Okay. Luckily, there is still a full menu of the previous week. So oh, oh, great. <laughs> it's just if you want to stick to the theme.
0: Awesome. All right. So let me bring them in. Dave will then hype them up with All their right. name. Jess will hype Dave. All right. Here we, here we go. It. Six. Yes. So there's six. There's you can six. Do this easy
3: peasy. Try We're not,
0: bang. Try, try not to peek early. Yeah. Here no? we go. All, All right. right. First up from Hampton in Victoria, Australia. Sam Marcolin. Marcelin. Marcelin. One of those. Which
4: one? Just go with Sam.
0: Okay, yeah. Uh, Sam. Sam, I am. Yes,
3: there he goes. Sam,
0: Bam. Thank you, ma'am.
3: Stop trying to help. Just get on with the fucking names. I you mean, just said bang, bang, bang. And what was that? Sam, Bam. Sam, Bam. Come on, Sam, I am. Shut up, man. <laughs>
0: okay, sorry, yep. Uh, from <laughs> Espanola in New Mexico in the United States, it's Carlos Arellano.
3: Something about loss. That's there.
4: <laughs> oh, loss. yeah. Oh, you, yeah. We'll, we will not be feeling a loss tonight. Yes. Carlos. Uh huh.
0: Welcome in. Also from Shamburg, Illinois, in the oh, United States, wow. is Nathaniel Gingrich. Oh,
4: uh, Gingrich. I feel Gingrich with your presence. Yes. <laughs> Incredible.
0: Thank you. Try not to peek
4: early, but that might have been it.
3: That's okay. We're halfway.
4: Okay, great. Awesome. Oh, no, we're actually, there's only
0: five, sorry.
3: Okay, so I'll oh, well, do the halfway.
0: Mate, if you let me know, I probably would have calculated this slightly differently, but okay. <laughs> from Eliminate in Victoria. I think he's from Ballarat. Wait, no, Coburg. No, Col- uh, Colac, sorry. It's oh. a, but maybe more specifically, Eliminate in Victoria. It's LOL Radio.
4: Oh, LOL Radio. Eliminating the bad times. I don't know if I Amazing.
3: It. Shut up and read a and name.
4: Isn't the name? You just said a or something like that. Oh, yes. So eliminating great. bad times, yeah, great. No,
3: It's not for you to no, say whether sorry. it's good or bad. It's just Fine. for you to read a if name. If you'd prefer
4: me to say, oh, we'll be laughing out loud with you here. Yes. Thank you Yeah. So yeah. Much. Oh, LOL. That's,
0: Joff, that's uh, Joff from LOL Radio. Joff, yeah, what you're a, a legend. <laughs> uh, three years. Jesus, God. Thanks, Joff. And finally, uh, this week from Riverstone in New South Wales, Australia, it's Blake Fishburne. Oh, well.
3: This fish will be perfectly cooked.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, He's got lake, fish, and river in his thing, you couldn't come up with anything. Oh, no, I've I, I got something, but then we just went off track here. Dave, we're all waiting. I and
3: mean, I just came up with something. It was pretty funny. It was Dave fantastic. Laughed. And I hype you up. Dave laughs.
0: Yes, Jess. I love oh, it. Oh, when Jess gets involved, it's all great, is it? Yes, a hype man
4: can hype, hype up a fellow hype man.
0: Okay. Well, what am just, I?
4: You shut up. You're a yeah. guy
0: you're That's an what you are. you're a shutter up. You're a master of ceremonies. You read out names, mate. I'm the gays, you're the Copeland sort of thing. I'll set I'll set you up, you do the dunks. So I'm the Michael Jordan.
3: Yeah, you've got lots of assists.
0: And Jess is Magic Johnson. Thank you. Actually got all sorts of records. I'm actually the greatest. Stop
3: trying to make this about you.
0: Okay. I'll try, but it's hard. <laughs> Sorry, are you feeling like you've been fish burnt over there? <laughs> Thank you so much. Yes, good night. Yes. Uh, thank you so much to Blake, uh, Joff, Nathaniel, Carlos, and Sam. You're all legends. Uh, welcome into the Tripditch Club. Make yourselves at home. Enjoy a bit of. What, what's, what's his name in the other guy? Simon andor Garfunkel. Simon andor Garfunkel. Mm. That's right. Garfunkel's such a good name. All right. <laughs> it's so good. And his uh, first name's Art. Yeah, very Art. good. Everything about him wow. fantastic. Uh, so, Dave, wrap this up. Well, well, we will be back next week with a thrilling
4: conclusion World War One Part Two. They said it couldn't be done. I said it couldn't be done, but Matt is proving me wrong, mm-hmm. and I'm very happy that you've done so. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the episode. Get in contact with us at dogoonpod.com. There's links to our Patreon, we can support the show. Our merchandise. We can wear something nice while supporting the show. <laughs> uh, we got a Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that sort of stuff at DoGoOnPod for all those things. And even an email, you know, while you're looking nice in your DoGoOn merchandise, email us, doGoOnPod at gmail.com. But until next week when we'll finish off World War One, I'll say thank you and goodbye. Later. Bye. Bye.
3: This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's, It's up to you.
2: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.